Little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step For those following along at home, Huey is a cat and he lives in my house. What is he, a toyger? <laughs> no, he's just a pain in the ass. <laughs> Huey, uh, Huey, I've met a lot of unfriendly cats in my day, and gotta say, Huey might be like the meanest cat I've ever met. He's the most cat of cats I've ever but, met. But you know what, though? That only reassures the point that, like, cats do make you work for their affection. And, like, I really I did everything I could to make friends with Huey. You know, frankly, Bro, if, if if you had stayed here longer, he would have gotten used to you. And I think that's the thing that yeah. everyone doesn't understand. Everyone don't understand about Huey is that he is a creature of habit. He's a creature of like familiarity. And once somebody's around for an extended period of time, he gets he's cool with you. Now, on the flip side of that is the greatest like gullible animal in the entire world and that's our other cat lewis who is like runs up to you as soon as you walk in the door doesn't know who you are super excited to meet you like this cat would buy the fucking brooklyn bridge if you <laughs> if you offered it to him they're very yin and yang in that sense actually very much so very much so but i think they do well for each other because they keep each other honest there was that, one we were sitting on like we were just kind of talking and huey kind of rubbed up on my leg and i went to go pet him and he was like fuck you and ran <laughs> so I was like my like, terms only yeah it's very much his terms only what what is like the art of the deal for cats like that's <laughs> yeah he, he, I, I feel like he was just negging me the entire time oh yeah you Getting know how like artist vibes from this guy you know how in jaws like the the shark would push the boat a little bit and just test them or the the shark would nudge somebody in the water that's very much what Huey is doing. He's testing you. He wants to see what your response is going to be because if you panic, he's going to slaughter you. <laughs> he, he's like he's been reading. He's been reading a lot of self help books. He's been listening to a lot of Jordan Peterson, and now Huey's just learning to like neg people all the time. And he's, he's just... a big Jocko guy too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. I'm going to enroll him in one of those like midlife crisis military schools for like corporate executives where they <laughs> learn to like climb ropes and like eat dog shit for two weeks. And then that's their leadership training. Promoting synergy. Yeah. Those like companies or organizations are just like harassing me on all forms of social media now. Cause I clicked on one of them to see what the hell it was. And now all of a sudden it's like a paramilitary organization for people with like parking passes. Listen, um, yeah, <laughs> it's like uh, this is for executive only to go ruck in like the fucking nearest fucking swamp. It makes leaders. 
You only get 45 minutes of Microsoft Teams time a day. Use it wisely. <laughs> They're just making you like separate sprinkles using your toes. Or I would it's... rather fucking die than do that. Honestly, most of them fucking love that shit because it reminds them of like pledging their fucking Ivy League fraternities and shit. You're being waterboarded while giving a presentation about cutting jobs. <laughs> 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 we have to tighten our belts. Give them more water. It's like what? It's like <laughs> white collar, fucking. Oh my god. <laughs> white collar Gitmo. Yeah. <laughs> fucking white collar Abu Ghraib or something. Well, speaking of like a torturous experience, thank you all for joining the Second Knots podcast this week. This podcast is not torturous, but what we put ourselves through the other day was incredibly torturous. Um, last week, we had talked a little bit about the Netflix original film starring Addison Rae, who is a TikTok star. We all subjected ourselves to watching this truly unique experience in the Netflix original, He's All That. Um, The story is essentially a carbon copy of She's All That that came out in the late 90s with Freddie Prince Jr. and Rachel Lee Cook. Matthew Lillard was in that as well. Now, I say carbon copy, but it's more like if if you tried to clone something and you got it wrong and it was begging it to kill you the whole time. They they dragged poor Rachel Lee Cook into this. She's got to be broke. Her and Macklemore, they need, like, I'm confident that he's got fucking gambling debts or something. And somebody was going to break his legs. He's like, I need to make some money. Netflix, help me out. And they're like, got you, fam. Wait, was he the villain? No, he made a song for the movie. Oh, he just made the song. I thought he was also the villain because he kind of looks like the villain. No, that villain is probably going to be working at a Chili's in the next two months anyway. So um, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to tell you to go see it, but if you want to torture yourself and, you know, see how good your therapist is, I would strongly encourage you to go see it. But I had a couple questions for um, Gatto and Q about this film, and I want to take kind of a procedural approach to understanding this film. And I don't just want to rag on it the whole time because that's too easy, but I really want to dive into kind of like some of the conversations that we were having about the film while we were watching it separately, but through our discord channel, we shared a lot of thoughts and opinions about it. So the first question I have for the two of you and Gatto, I'm going to start with you is what worked in this film? Well, I'm going to tell you something. I like easy. So I'm going to do the easy thing and bash the shit out of this garbage fucking fire that was a fucking hemorrhaging, gutless $20 million Netflix wasted when and, they could have literally done anything else and, and it would have been more enjoyable. And we can certainly do that. But I want to add a little flair to the conversation because, you know, that's too easy. We're, we're an intellectual podcast. We, we're, we're built for thinkers and jokes. Are we? We are literally talking about he's all that. <laughs> How intellectual are we getting today? I, I will, well, hold on, hold on. I want to. I want to start with where do they? Where did it cost twenty fucking million dollars to make that movie? Like, what did they spend their money on? 
I don't what? think they spent their money on anything because, quite frankly, if you watch the credits, it's all special thanks to all of these sponsors. And we talked last week about the number of sponsorships throughout the entire film. I don't honestly, you know where that money probably went. Courtney Kardashian makes three separate appearances in this movie for about 45 seconds total. That's they smart. probably had to like beg and plead her to do that. She she is sleepwalking through that entire movie. She's just like, your brand is not doing good now. I, I would like to say she's probably sleepwalking through life, <laughs> uh, but that's another story. Did you notice every time that she was on screen, she had like either a Peloton monitor or a laptop in front of her? She was definitely fucking reading the lines and saying them simultaneously. You know, and it sounded know, like it too. You know what my favorite part though about Kourtney Kardashian's part though is that literally she's in the same spot. So th- now mind you, it takes place on different days, but she's in the same spot every single time. They couldn't even bother her to be like, okay, we're going to do this one outside. Oh, let's do this one inside. Let's do this one at like a Whole Foods or something. They couldn't even bother to move her out of the same exact spot and position that she was in every single She said, I'm going to do one take. I'm going to sit my fucking ass right here and you're going to take it and then you're going to pay me fucking half a million dollars. I mean, let me remind you that like this movie is so low rent in my opinion that like her, like considering her needs wouldn't shock me in making this movie, like not going anywhere, fucking do anything. Like she, she's probably the most fucking important thing that's happening in this movie. And that's right. what's sad about it. I'm, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna answer your question though, Tom. Um, yeah, play along. Matthew Lillard is nostalgic for me. I like Matthew Lillard a lot. It's sad to see him in here, but it's still good to see him. So like, the, and he he was like the comedy relief. He was kind of making fun of the whole thing. All right, I'll give him that. The fight scene. All right, that was pretty good. Where did he learn to fucking fight though, bro? He's he's on Cobra Kai. That uh, that kid that kid is one of the stars of Netflix's Cobra Kai. Right. But but why how is he able to fight so oh, well in a, oh, in a movie that has nothing to do with that? I think it's I think it's just like viral kind of like we also do Cobra Kai here at Netflix, guys. I I would actually say that that is the one thing a redeeming thing of this is that there might be a he's all that she's all that Cobra Kai karate kid multiverse out there that this is all happening <laughs> it's the netflix extended universe of fucking cobra kai and he's all that so i'm gonna ask you a question because i i want you to make sense of something the whole point of if you've ever seen she's all that which i think we all have was that it's an extremely popular guy right yes. freddie prince jr is like you have to turn this girl into the prom queen right and rachel lee cook is like a mousy artist girl and like they make her look like she's supposed to be ugly even though she's still hot at that point um which is another problem is they keep using attractive people and they don't do anything to make them like ugly like they're not like rachel lee cook wasn't ugly and she's all that she was just kind of like nerdy looking but you know i'll forgive that though what was the point of Addison Rae's character becoming unpopular? Because the whole point is that she has to be the super popular girl who turns the the nerdy whatever guy popular by making her unpopular because of the bubble thing. 
it completely erases the point of the movie is that she's I, I know it was for the redeeming thing at the end where she's like I can look ugly too look guys but like it doesn't make sense in the scope of the movie because if she's not popular anymore after that incident and she's like the loser then it's a loser turning a loser into prom king and it just doesn't it doesn't work that's I, socialism baby <laughs> I, that's show business it's almost it's almost it's almost like this is a bad movie it's weird i don't believe it <laughs> um i don't i don't follow that same like idea line with it though or logic of that i literally think that the the realm of popular for them was like their their followers online and that oh, never falters and she just takes like a reputational hit that that ends up losing her her uh, contract with Courtney uh, Kardashian there. The ghost her... of Courtney Kardashian. Yeah. It, <laughs> the I... soulless zombie that was playing Courtney Kardashian. It, I'm telling but, you, man. But, he, but here's the thing. Hold on, hold on, hold on. But here's the thing. Is that I think because that happened, she was feeling like bad about herself and what was going on in her life. So as a distraction, her and her friends decided, oh, I'm so amazing. I could make somebody else fucking uh, a million followers on TikTok. Like that was like the whole beginning premise was like I needed something to distract me from this, you know, dip in my self esteem. All right. Okay. I I, I see what you're saying there. And yes. But can I interject real quick? I need to jump on. Oh, please. I need to jump on to what you were saying, Q. Matt Lillard made this whole fucking movie for me. Like, if if he was not in the last five minutes of it, basically trolling the film from like the fourth beyond the the fourth wall. Yeah, there is nothing redeemable about it. I mean, he was actually funny and charismatic in ways that everybody in this show, this movie, this thing on film were not. Like, even Rachel Lee Cook, she looked like she had woken up like five minutes before every one of her scenes and just kind of like. Okay. I looked it up. She is not playing the same character. I didn't so think so. She's not. She Aww. it's a it's a different name. Uh it's a different name. This but, is a very bad port because I'm looking at the she's all that cast right now and I'm just going to read a couple names off to you and see if any of them like Oh yeah, this any of them hit. Freddie Prince Jr. we already talked about. Rachel Lee Cook, Matt Lillard, Paul Walker was in that movie. Yep. He's the bad guy. Yeah. Ke- Kevin Pollock Kieran yep. Culkin, yep. Usher was in this. Mm-hmm. Lil Kim, yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Gabrielle Union, Tim Matheson, yep. Dulé Hill. Great um, movie. Clea it, Duvall was in it. It is one uh, of those movies that like is not. I don't think will hold up, but at the time was like a banger. Sarah Michelle Gellar is an uncredited role in this. She was pop- <laughs> that was that was around the time of like I know what you did last summer. So yeah. like her, I think her and like her and Freddie Prinze who ended up getting married. And still married, um, they they were I think they were kind of dating, so it probably makes sense that they would do each other's movies at that yeah. point. Yeah, and oh, and would, Buffy the Vampire Slayer movies started in '97, and this came out in '99. By the way, that show still holds up. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but but all that it's a great to be show. Said, all that to be said, like this movie had a lot of good young actors in it. Clea Duvall, who's been in a number of different films, faculty. Not, yeah. Um, she was in um, Argo as well, and a number mm-hmm. of other. Anna Paquin was in this movie, like, and to see this just sham of a film 
that's basically a way to make a TikTok star famous, but also port over a bunch of like sponsorships from companies that really don't need any more help. Like, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Tom, you don't have a Pizza Hut party? Oh my God. Oh, like, by the way, great. there was also KFC there as well, too, because she had to point out, oh, do you mind if I take some KFC for the road? A whole bucket of chicken. <laughs> I mean, Throughout the movie, I think I think we tried to give it a count, and oh, I, think we I got came up it. With like nineteen to twenty-one, like sponsored things through this movie. Skittles, Core Water, and Core Waters twice. They're, at one point, mm -hmm. it's in the car, and then like they're they're drinking water, and it's like perfectly positioned, so you can see the the label. Bose, she says she doesn't say take my head, like don't touch my headphones. She says don't touch my Bose. Yep. Sun Chips, Lunchables. Legoland, Skittles, Skittles. Um, Skittles. Musilex, because you got to stay regular. Oh, Bubble Girl. As uh, Pepsi Co. Pepsi and Meg Root Beer are, are positioned. Doritos, Pizza Hut Party, KFC, Blue Bloods. We're marketing the CBS show starring Tom, whatever Selleck. Second, Tom Selleck, Blue Bloods. Um, Cheerios and Pop Tarts, Pop Rocks, and smart food cheese popcorn there i'm actually also... kind of I'm, I'm kind of surprised because kellogg's owns pop tarts but cheerios is also in it too so you have both kellogg and general mills involved in this as well so both of them must have thought this thing is going to make some money i just love how they always like have to get it in there like i'm do you mind if i take some kfc the sun chips she's like hey don't eat my sun chips I'm gonna go to this college because it's near Legoland. I love Legoland. There was there was literally no I reason. Like, and that's, like <laughs> none of that, none of that shit adds anything to the story plot. None, like, none. There's like so awkward. There's like a part where like the Skittles, like she's handing her brother like his suit for prom, and it's like, why is your room such a mess? And he's like, what do you mean it's a mess? There's there's like stuff all over the floors. Oh, it's Skittles. Why are there Skittles all over the floor? I don't know. There's Skittles. Like, how many times are you going to fucking say it? It has that no one, effect. That one definitely was like, they were getting towards the end of the movie and like, oh shit, we forgot our Mars bar plug. Or we forgot our Mars Corporation plug. But Q, you brought up something that was has resonated quite significantly with me. Why was this movie 90 minutes long? <laughs> Why was this an hour and a they half? Had to, they had to put all the brands and plugs in. <laughs> This is worse than the it, fucking Super Bowl commercial. It should have been sixty-five minutes because, like, you could have gotten, you could have trimmed so much out of this movie. But like, I also want to point out that I, I don't remember she's all that all that well. But like, isn't the whole point to make like the Rachel Lee Cook character or this guy, the the, the new guy from Cobra Kai, isn't the point to make him likable? He, he was, was so not likable. He was, he was so inherently unlikable and douchey from the start. Number one, he's a photographer, but I don't want to see anybody see my pictures. He's taking he was taking pictures of a fucking trash can. He reminds me of that fucking douche <laughs> from American Beauty who was filming that fucking paper bag flowing around or the plastic bag flowing around. He was so douchey, so like he 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 called this woman's music derivative. He's like her music's derivative. Like I, like I hated this guy from the beginning, and it's like I don't want him to end up being like popular because he's fucking terrible. No, I was really hoping it was just going to be an apt pupil spinoff. 
how that, how that's how thing. that was another thing hold on they the very beginning of this movie had all these like awkwardly like unnatural like sat words just strewn about like they were embedded into these weird like conversations that were happening in the movie in the very beginning and then at the end you don't hear a single fucking word that Sounds intelligent. It's all they did drop an f bomb in there, and I was kind of impressed at that. That was actually a nod to the original movie. That whole scene, uh... that whole scene, the dialogue—they literally took verbatim from "She's All That." Uh... That exact scene. That's why that's in there. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, man. That's but... that was a that was as close to an actual like respect or honor to the original movie <laughs> as they were using all of those like sat words i was thinking in my head of like that jeffrey rush quote from pirates of the caribbean long words miss turner we're just a bunch of humble pirates like, <laughs> we're just a bunch of humble podcasters like why are you using all those big ass words like you mean misanthropic yeah yes and then addison ray's like yeah totally like <laughs> It's like she doesn't know what that means. It was like pugnacious or something was used in there. I, like... I, I want to point out a lot of like, meth jokes too, by the way. Way too many meth jokes. <laughs> and and if you're asking how many meth jokes in a movie are too many meth jokes, two. Does anybody remember what the turn was in She's All That? Because obviously, like when when the popular character tries to um like bond with the the nerdy girl right there's always a turn right in which she goes huh maybe they're not so bad right because oh. i don't remember that turn and she's all that whatever that was in this fucking movie it's katy perry she's yeah. singing a katy perry song and he feels bad because she's starting to eat shit because her fucking <laughs> ex her ex comes in and, and all of a sudden, he joins her on stage, and they sing what fire was. Uh, I don't remember what matter. song. It, it doesn't did. fucking matter. They sing Katy Perry together, and I'm like, I, this fucking movie sucks well, dick. That was the most annoying part, is because five minutes before that, he's taking pictures of the fucking trash can. Like, <laughs> it doesn't but even he, make like, sense all of a sudden, that his character goes randomly... from being a douche to being like this good guy. Like, oh, the, he doesn't like the girl. He's just been insulting her the entire time, and he laughs. Actually, he starts to like her. The turning point for me for him is when she throws horse shit at oh him. Oh my god! I forgot and that's when that. he likes her. <laughs> <laughs> she she not only she shovels. So she shows up trying to bond with him. She shows up to the place he volunteers at, which is a horse stable. She shovels shit. Such a weird thing. Too. Which is so weird because he like he says, like, oh, if you want me to teach you, you got a shovel. Then she falls he, off the horse. Jocko, Jocko fucking. <laughs> <laughs> she falls off the horse into horse shit. And I'm, I guarantee that was her worst day. She was like, I what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? And then the, she he laughs, so she throws it in his face, and he's like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sarah laughed yeah. to end the scene. And so, like she's like, it's mostly grass. And I'm like, oh my god, what the fuck is this? So I, I mean, I, I think I remember the turn in She's All That. If I'm not mistaken, it's when Kieran Culkin's character is getting harassed in the cafeteria and yes. Freddie Prince Jr. stops them. I don't know yes. if it was Usher and Paul Walker or two other yeah. goons that were doing it, but that actually made sense. This one doesn't make sense. The other 
moment too is when they're standing around in the train station and he's like, This place is full of life. He's taking pictures of a of a security guard eating an ice cream cone, like it's like like that's he's a threat f- level midnight shit right there, by the way. And, and then he goes immediately. Dude, that will get you that. that will get you put on a fucking list. Wait, wait, he's say, he's that. Say, <laughs> they go to this fucking like little coffee shop. He's like, they make the best Nutella frappuccinos ever. But he like he rags on college, like college is lame. And like he like, I don't need money. He like, bro, like. You you need to make these people at least a little bit likable, and he was from the beginning a total douche. By the way, the house that they lived in in California is probably a multi million dollar home, and so they live with their grandmother. Yeah, huge fan of the pod, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> and and Tom Selleck apparently too. Yeah, big fan of the pod. Um, she actually has the best line in the movie, by the way. When yeah, they talked about getting it on, and she's like, "You never know when it's last." <laughs> that was all right. That was actually pretty good. Yeah, that was the best line of the movie. And um, weird way to chime in, by the way, as your as your like fourteen hmm. year old fucking granddaughter is talking to her brother okay. about sex. Okay, so and I want to <laughs> I want to go to the party scene for a second because I will also say that I legitimately kind of chuckled at the. The, the douchey fucking singer is sitting around because he got dumped by the chick. So he cheats on Addison Ray's character. And then she says, you don't deserve my croak him boosh, you croak him douche. Um, so he's, he, that yeah. setup, by the way, started 30 seconds into that film, by the way. Right. Yeah. So he, he's, supposed to be, <laughs> he's supposed to be this like douchey TikTok star who got famous off of a song and shit. And he's sitting there with his bros, and he the chick that he cheated on Addison Ray with dumped him. And she he he says, like basically they're talking about it. He's like all sad. And he they, they he points out that the guy that she cheated on him with only has like thirty thousand followers. And the guy's like, Well, he does play for the Clippers, and he goes, Yeah, it's kind of cool, actually. I actually kind of chuckled at that. That was actually kind of funny. But See, I want to point out there were moments of of funny in this, but I don't think they were intended to be. No, 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 no. It was not intentionally funny. It was funny because like it's so bad. So I have to ask you guys a question: Is there a chance, an offshoot chance, that this movie is deliberately mocking no everything in a no. very very subtle meta way? No, no, because. It all is so face value, base, fucking shallow. No. And then there's these little hints, these little just like it's almost like everything is so bad and done so poorly on purpose that it's it's meant to be a giant joke. So I no way. I, I, I would tend to agree with you, Gatto. However, Mark Waters, who is the director of this, yeah. directed Freaky Friday, Mean Girls, uh, Ghost of Girlfriends Past, Bad Santa 2. So there is hmm. like some bad, bad, bad Santa 2 in there is a little, uh, but yeah, we're all that we all, vampire diaries right before this. Yeah. So. All that to, all, all that to <laughs> be said, like, I'm wondering if this is like, if this is like the hostage video where the person is blinking in Morse code that says SOS or something like that, like Mark Waters is actually alive. He's not comatose right now, but he is being held against his will. 
And he's trying to like inject a little bit of humor in there. So people know that it's actually him and not like his rotting corpse on like a foldable chair in the back. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, like that's why I, when I looked up the movie afterwards and I saw that like Mark Waters did this and I was like, all right, I don't know. Could he be? Cause like mean girls is actually like a smart, movie but, in some yeah. way that, well tina fey wrote that exactly so, tina I mean... fey wrote it that's why i would think that for him to do it but he also just does these types of like teen movies they probably general. they that's probably the paid him thing. they probably paid him a lot of money to do this and well, it's an easy job they gave him a shit ton of paper towels yeah <laughs> yeah he <laughs> stopped he's basically stocked in junk food and paper goods for the rest. i have so many goddamn pop tarts i don't know what to do with them all <laughs> So I, I want to go back. Roll the film. <laughs> I want I want to go back for a second because that. So I was talking about that party scene, right, with the douchey singer guy. So he he gets cheated on by the chick he cheated with. Then he tries to get back with Addison's character, and she's like, "Fuck off." He then turns his attention to the loser sure. guy's little sister, who's fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's creepy bad. And. He's they she he comes out and she hits him with in the head with a like an eight ball um not not an eight ball like not a cool pool table a pool table eight ball <laughs> and she really said, cool type of eight ball she said we were making out and then he tried to do more to me and like they treated us of like oh he shouldn't have done that she's like fourteen not only that but Roman like Polanski faxed in some and he's like what 34 <laughs> yeah. that guy he's like 34 <laughs> years old i mean not I in the movie not in the movie he's no i know i know he's teenager. supposed to be he's supposed to be like i don't 18. think anybody was under 20 21 in this movie though but like his, his wikipedia says that he is 23 years old How which in are. hollywood is that that's like what 47 <laughs> yeah the person the person who played the sister is 17 years old so so I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. they filmed it a year ago. I mean, so she was yeah. like sixteen. Yeah, but I mean, again, started in twenty twenty. That didn't happen on screen. Thankfully, they had no, no, obviously, screen. yeah. But like but, at the same time, she's playing someone that's supposed to be young. He's supposed to be a high school senior. I think she's supposed to be like a high school freshman. Either a high school freshman or was it middle school? They're seniors because they're talking about college, right? That's his little yeah. sister, and he's like embarrassing her with her friends. She looks like she's new to the school. At most, yeah. she's like a sophomore. So, yeah. like that would be like an eighteen-year-old like macking on like a fifteen-year-old, and it's like no one seen. He says, "Get away from my sister," but well, like no one points out like she's like fourteen or fifteen. That, no one like calls him out on that. That's the weirdest thing is that like after all of that happens, no one's like, "Get the fuck out of here, dude." Yeah, they're all right? like nobody. Everyone doesn't even care that that happens because they're just like, oh, okay, all right. And, and then yeah, the Cobra he, Kai he guy kicks his ass. Tried to sexually abuse right. this girl at the party, and nobody told him to leave. And then, and then the Cobra Kai guy kicks his ass, right? Like destroys him. Way he, too much of a choreographed fight scene, by the way. It was actually well done, all things considered. Though, what I figured that it was going to be in a movie like this, but only because the guys fucking from cobra kai he probably like he's good at it at this point so then the cobra guy cobra kai guys gets his fucking um uh uh what is it camera thrown in the pool right that and i knew was coming cause he put it down put it next down. to the fucking the the fucking pool it's like hand it to somebody you're with what are you doing here so so <laughs> let's let's do let's do coming. let's do a quick summary this this guy just assaulted a fucking 14 year old then tries to fight her brother because he's mad about it 
destroys his camera, which his dead mom gave to him. And then afterwards, he he clearly stays at the party and parties still because he wakes up drunk on the couch, right? Yeah. So, like, everyone was just like, yeah, he's cool. He can stay. Yeah. And it's like, it's fucking madness. I'd also want to point out, too, in all likelihood, if that kid knows how to use a camera he probably knows how to take it apart and it's not Clean a digital it. camera so yeah. it's probably fucking fine like the only yeah. thing is your shitty like film is probably ruined of right. like a trash compactor like smushing like friendly's garbage is gonna be ruined <laughs> like you're gonna have to get over that and just shoot it again tomorrow but there are parts we'll just have to go movie. back to the train station this just made no fucking sense. There was another party scene, by the way, the karaoke party, this multi-million dollar house on the beach with this like tens of 15, tens of 20s, thousands of dollars spent on this party. But let's get KFC and Pizza Hut. <laughs> but I, I just love, though, I, I referenced it before that she like literally asked her if we can, because there's no KFC. To, I didn't I didn't see any KFC. No, it was just Pizza Hut. But oh, she says, do you mind if I take some K KFC for the road? And she's like, of course. So it's like you had <laughs> to get that. It's such a weird line. They're like, we got to get KFC in here, guys. Oh, uh, she could ask for some KFC for the road. Fucking, you're going places, Johnson. Nickel doing... <laughs> uh, Yeah. God. And like, it just, it's... I, I, I okay so there's also a big reveal that one of her friends has been like double crossing her the entire time Alden that bitch and it's <laughs> it's such a cuz like when 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 obviously they go to surprise her boyfriend the douchey guy um at his music video shoot and like he's cheating on her and like there she's live on on Instagram or whatever and like that's what like causes the conflict where she gets upset and I was sitting there, I'm like, why is she still fucking filming this if that's her friend? And then obviously it turns into that she's been double-crossing her the entire time. I That just seemed, like, unnecessarily cruel to me. Like, that, like, she was basically setting, like, you, can you imagine, like, being friends with somebody for, like, six months, well, maybe I mean, no, longer, and then just the entire time, like, trying to push their demise? So that's the most insane part is that, well, okay, so let's talk about the unhealthy boundaries these this group of girls had in general um but like that's what's insane is that both of her friends right so what what's the girl's name Paget? Paget? Yes. Paget. Paget. so Paget, like both of her friends knew for over a year that she didn't really live in the high-rise apartments she lived like around the corner in like what is still probably like an eight hundred thousand dollar yeah real estate and the um, one the one friend was like i knew but i don't care because i love you and then the other friend was like i'm using this against you yes and and so like the plot begins even even at that point like they she already was like writing down the things that she could fucking use against her right right and <laughs> like let's talk about how <laughs> there's that one scene where paget is like hey um, or she calls up. She calls up the uh, loser's sister, and it's like, "Hey, um, can I come by? Uh, I need to do something or whatever." She and... she purposely leaves a item in his car so that she has an excuse to go back. It's like, yeah, sure, I guess I can bring it to. It's like, oh, no worries, I'm right here, and literally rings the doorbell as she hangs yeah. up. Yeah. Like 
she's like basically calling from inside the house. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, she she went super hard in the paint and made it really obvious that like something was up like he was like saying to her like what do you want like he literally yeah. <laughs> i think i said at one point he was like what do you want from me like why are you talking to me all of a sudden like you're just like this is so weird but i i want to point out something else about the friend um you know i've you we've all been to high school we've all been to college right so we've we've had moments where we get into fights with people and we get you know get into fist fights with people right i love how they settled their friendship issues by a coordinated dance battle at the prom oh boy Yes. So that was supposed to be another nod to the original movie when Usher performs at the prom. But I, that makes sense because you have Usher. You yes. do not have Usher here. No, they even make a joke about it. They're like that they're like, "Wait, we paid you more than my salary for a month to play like music off of your <laughs> Yeah, they paid, they paid the DJ for the prom $4800. He was like 12 years old, by the way. I, listen, I I I know I have, I know a lot of DJs. I don't think a prom would ever net almost five thousand dollars for one night of a couple hours of DJing. I mean, maybe in California, maybe in like Ritzy, California, maybe and Cali guess. High, Cali High Earthquakers. <laughs> oh, yeah, earthquakers. yeah, earthquakes. <laughs> Jesus. Could it be any more fucking on the nose? Oh my god. I I I go back to Matthew Lillard being the one who like said all of the quiet parts loudly about this movie. And I, and I hope that he was sitting at the contract table. He was like, I'll be in this bullshit movie, but I want to be able to make fun of it because Rachel Lee cook needs a paycheck and <laughs> everybody else in this movie is being held at gunpoint, except for Addison Ray. <laughs> so I just want to be able to talk shit about this movie the whole time. And why were there outtakes at the end? Those outtakes were staged, I swear to you. Ugh, they were so, so bad. bad. Any listen, no movie should ever have outtakes at the end of it. None. Unless it's unless it's like really funny ensemble people and it like if it's a Seth Rogen movie, okay, I can see how it can maybe play well because like those the 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 funny guys riffing and shit, but like I I think that that's still a throwback to the 90s during, like, these types of movies, like <sighs> rom-coms, comedies in general. The 90s would have the outtakes. Like, Austin Powers had outtakes, you know, during credits. And I think, I think, I think you're giving this movie too much credit. Is. Oh, no, don't, don't get me wrong. It's still a giant, like, hemorrhoidal scar on Netflix's, ca like, catalog. But, like, <laughs> it, we, we have destroyed our algorithms, by the way. Like yeah. now our algorithms Shredded. are gonna think we're like fifteen year old girls or something. Shredded. Yeah. It's also bad. a fantastic demographic to get into. Now we're gonna have to sponsor facial cream. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, those were the other products I forgot to mention. Oh, but you know what it is, you know what like I, you know what also doesn't make sense is that Rachel Lee's Cook's character is not playing the one from the original from She's All That. But the scene at the end where they start playing the song from She's All That, the Kiss Me song. Yes. She goes, oh, I, I love this song. I don't, know how, I don't know how I know this song. She says something along the lines of like, oh, this sounds so, so familiar. Obviously, like, ha, ha, ha. But, like, it's not the same character. So, like, the joke doesn't really land. Can I also ask you, if they're not the same characters, why is there this weird, like, moment shared between her and Matthew Lillard? 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any fucking sense because like like it really doesn't make any fucking sense. And because her her character name was Lainey Boggs. Yes. And sounds like a old timey baseball player. <laughs> now at the plate. <laughs> Batting 295, Lainey Boggs. <laughs> the thing is though, is that Miramax owns both of these films. They could have, yeah, they so they could have made it. I, I think they would probably have to explain why Freddie Prince Jr. is not in it. And if he wasn't, they'd have to kill him off or make him a shitty person. I, I said it I said it yesterday, or but I, I I said I said it yesterday. I'm pretty confident that they definitely uh, they definitely had to have reached out to Freddie Prince Jr. He's like, no. And he he took out a shotgun and he's like, get off my property right now. <laughs> her her so Rachel Lee's character in this one was Anna Sawyer. So it's not Lainey Boggs. Um, Wait, what was what was Freddie Prince Jr.'s character's name in uh, Zach Siler? Zach Siler. Oh. Yeah. So it's not it's not it's not the same character, and uh, I don't know why. So what was uh, uh, Tom? What was Matthew Lillard's character in he and she's all that? He's Principal Bosch in this one. Um, Oh no, no, he was originally Brock Hudson, so he is not Brock Hudson. Brock Hudson. <laughs> so he's Prince, he's Prince, he's, he's, he's Principal Bosch in this one. So he is not he's not even playing the same character. Paul Walker's name is Dean Sampson Jr. Like who wrote these? Who thought of these like, names? What is, what is R. The Lee, f- oh no, no. The guy who, who wrote this is R. Lee Fleming Jr. It's the so, goddamn it's the goddamn rat pack or some shit. Like the, guy, it sounds, the guy's name is Robert Lee Fleming. That's who wrote this fucking name. God, this is just, it sounds like Robert somebody who's R. involved Lee. in either like a bank heist or like a presidential assassination. No, I was gonna say someone that does like a lot of like those Civil War reenactments, but always plays the Confederate side. Oh, another another thing that pissed me off is they played that "Kiss Me" song, um, which which is from the original, and then they p- turned it into a techno remix, as one does. Why? Oh, 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 and so at the end of it, like, so he hates her because he finds out, like, the the shitty friend, like, reveals, like, it was all just a fucking game. She's doing this just for clout and shit. And he obviously hates her, and the little sister hates her now. So how did he hear her speech? So she gives the speech at the end, and she's basically like, I may present myself on social media this way, but I also I'm wake up and I'm ugly and ha ha ha. And like, I'm cool with looking ridiculous. He then texts her and says, I heard your speech. I loved it. He wasn't in the room. He's on a horse that he took. He took. Cause everything's from, viral. But he, 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 no, but he, he has a foot phone. He doesn't, he, they make, oh. they make the joke multiple times. Cause she, she said, we, are you watching the live stream? And he goes, have you seen my phone? Ha ha ha. And then he's sitting on a horse that I'm guessing he stole from his job. Yep. I mean, and so how did, how did he see, did he bring the horse into the fucking gym? I mean, you could tie a horse up like everyone else. I'm sure at, at high school. I mean, they got plenty of horse stands so you can tie them up. This place. <laughs> I mean, all bets are off. This is a super elitist school. Oh my way. god, this fucking I mean, movie. I would just like to congratulate Addison Ray or Paget, whatever her name is, 
in the movie um, for knowing how to end on a high note with a PowerPoint. Like that was just <laughs> yeah. Like, like how how else will I I take this um award speech um you know let me let me do a PowerPoint real quick. So <sighs> I, I I joke that they all look um like they're in the thirties, but Addison Ray's twenty one. Yeah, they're all about that age. They're all about yeah. 20, they're roughly yeah. all the same. Twenty one to twenty three. The oldest I'm seeing is twenty three, and I'm like, damn, like, um. So actually, the one that's that really weirds me out about it is so the bad guy, the villain, right? The the girl is like a dancer or whatever for his music videos. Yeah, sure. So she in real life is twenty nine years old, okay. and she obviously doesn't go to the school, and she's dating Clippers players. <laughs> oh yeah. So there's something wrong here. Oh Something's yeah, because... not adding up either. A Clippers player is involved with an underage girl, oh. or he's involved with her, she, or she's involved with this underage kid. Damn One it, or the I other's happening. I didn't even think about that. That's, so way yeah. to go, Netflix, for not catching that one. But it's just so funny because it's like you. This is clearly like done in like you know this day and age, which is like super PC and stuff and all that, which is fine. And again, it's and a kids movie. It, that's why I said it was that maybe this is meta. Maybe this is mocking no. because of that. For no, that because it, you know what, Delgado, like maybe like they're going to try like Sharknado is like a meta movie, but it wasn't intended to be. So like I can understand like maybe thinking it's a meta movie, but it was not. It was that was not the intention of it. I mean, when I say I mean, I mostly mean that this is satirical and that it's think, so subtly so. done that it's meta for that reason. I don't think so. Because you're like looking right into this mirror of suck. And like you like mirror of suck. You're looking right into this fucking mirror of suck. That's our title for the episode. You raise your hand. You raise your hand and then your reflection raises it right after. It's identical, but it's not right. You know what I mean? I I, I will say coming in 2023, Addison Ray starts in mirror of suck. You all want to watch out though, because I'm pretty sure she signed a multi-year, multi-film deal with Netflix. Yeah. So you're gonna yeah. see more of this dog shit. <laughs> but I'm wondering though, and I and I mentioned it in our Discord, like there were so many opportunities for this to become a completely different movie. Like I was waiting for it to become a slasher film. Like they had like air ducts that they could have ducked out into. It could have turned into a slasher film, like basically like Clockwork Orange, um, single white <laughs> female. And then ultimately ended with, you know, Fight Club. Who knows? I, I would have been more interested if she just like imagined this all on her own, because like she's sitting in a psych ward, like it's Moon Knight or whatever. Yes, <laughs> that's I, I the would... way this film is saved. These movies uh, keep falling into the same fucking tropes that I hate: is that everyone is an asshole, and it's like that doesn't resemble real life. Even assholes in real life are not assholes 24-7. They have moments in which they're sincere. And, like, that's why, like, this movie does not work more than any other of the other bullshit is that everyone fucking sucks. It's it's just how little I think they actually put into this. Because they know right now what's hot, what's trendy. Throwing back fucking 90s movies, right? Let me let me redo something that everyone loved back then. The nostalgia is fucking pumping right now. Why? Because everything now sucks. So we want to go back to the good old days, right? So 
they didn't try because they knew like Netflix was like, look, we're throwing this on our platform. We just need stuff to keep people interested. And Addison Ray is a huge star on her own. She doesn't need a movie to do it, but she's going to get the viewership. Like it, this was all money based. This was 100% financials. And they said, it's, it's good enough. We'll green light it. They wanted to get her on the platform and basically her followers on all of her social media platforms. They're going to follow her regardless. She's got 40.4 million followers on Instagram. Even if you have 5 million of them watch this movie, even if 400,000 of them think it's worth watching, that's still eyeballs on the screen. And ultimately it's all that really matters. Like, it's not even about the contents, but the individual involved, because there's Addison Ray fans who are going to do whatever she does, or they're mm-hmm. going to participate in whatever she tells them to participate in. And it doesn't matter. And ultimately, it's I don't want to be the old like, you know, <laughs> I don't want to be that guy who's like, that's not cinema. But at the same time, like. This movie had to be financed by sponsorship. This movie had to be financed by companies. And I'm not saying like this probably took away from somebody's opportunity to make a film, but at the same time, Miramax made a decision like, are we going to go with this like guaranteed money maker that's going to be absolute dog shit? But who cares? We make money off of it, or can we go with something else that might provide an opportunity for other artists or other directors or producers or f- actors and actresses to get involved in the industry? And they they went with the money side of it. And it doesn't shock me at all. It doesn't. It's it doesn't upset me. It's just, you know, it is what it is. There's been plenty of dog shit films that have come out since the beginning of time, since the beginning of film. It's just how it goes. But I fear that this is going to start a trend where they're just going to try to recruit all of these TikTok superstars onto these films. And we're just going to watch these people like mealy mouth their way through badly written films that are badly produced, that are badly acted. And it's going to kill all of like the good content that's on so that or we'll get lucky and it will kill social media influencers in general. <laughs> well, you make a, one you can make, only hope. You, yeah. you, you actually are not the first. You actually like other people have made that point, Tom, because um, she, she Addison Ray was actually doing a UFC event in which she was just like uh, basically outside, kind of like on the red carpet doing like interviews. And there were actually a lot of people who were really pissed off about it because of the fact that like you typically are going to give that type of job to a young journalist who's trying to like get a job, make a name for themselves and all those type of things. And they did you say US, USC or UFC? UFC. So okay. uh, uh, cage fighting. Um, so it still sounded like USC, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> ultimate fighting championship. And a lot of people were pissed off because oh. of the fact that they gave her. So a lot of people were pissed off about that. And it was, it was actually like a huge backlash because they were like, you're giving a person who doesn't need the opportunity a, a an event that she doesn't give a shit about because it's UFC and she doesn't she doesn't care about that. You know, it's it's funny because um I've never really thought about it like that. But yeah, there's lots of like um I think of like Nikki Glazer is like someone who does a lot of red carpet work for like E. And right. It's like that's a well established name. Like, what does she need to be out there on the red carpet right. doing? But I wonder if it's just because if it's if it's a somebody already, it's going to get way more traction, especially with like the diehards of a particular person that might not ever 
like be interested in this certain thing like it's it's a promotional one and done type thing from time to time i'm not saying that's the case with nikki glazer but with addison ray it might make sense that this is that way because you you're not getting that kind of cross um pollination right and yeah it's all again like we're talking about money metrics like this is this is like how many dot like how many retained viewers how many how many fans can we create how many extra dollars we could pull in like all of that is looked at and yeah it sucks because like we we're making it harder and harder to create opportunity for new creative talents or potentially like uh the next the next big name whoever that is we've been going down this path for so long like you know it's you'll find a way like if you're that good you're gonna find a way to fucking stand out amongst the rest i think it's become that much harder and you have to become that much more creative or better to stand out nowadays it's just too it's very competitive you know definitely i i have a question for you guys how much money would I have to pay? Would someone have to pay you to rewatch this movie? Just get me drunk. You yeah. Were... Oh, hold on. Yeah, hold on. give me no. some booze. Give me some booze and get plane tickets so we can all watch it together. Okay. So, like, give us all the all of the um, the Pop Rocks booze and Pizza <sighs> Hut and KFC and Skittles and Pop Tarts. Basically, give us all of the junk food that was in the film, and we can clean it up with Bounty. And let us watch it on like a high resolution television with with our with our choice of booze and I would fucking watch this. And and we'll live stream it. And we will destroy it. I've never I've never thought of a bigger waste of a fucking high definition TV than watching. Oh, I thought you were gonna say bounty. That too. (laughs) And Tom, it was by the way, this this episode is brought to you by Bounty, (laughs) the quicker picker upper. And Tom, by the way, so it was a pop rock. It was a pop rocks mocktail. Okay, right. What was I thinking? <laughs> well, that's the other thing, right? Like this you was... have to hold the Doritos in such a way that everybody on the live stream can see that you're holding Doritos. Yeah, exactly. You, we also have to sponsor drop regularly during the live stream. Oh God! Just, Just... spilling fucking Skittles on the floor. <laughs> Q, could you pass that RCA remote, please? <laughs> Thank you so much. Tom, I really like this Vizzy Seltzer you got. It's oh, delicious. Thank you very much. What do you think about these Panasonic lights? <laughs> They're so bright and efficient, and they probably save you money. Yes, they do. They even <laughs> melt m&ms <laughs> but they don't melt on the light they melt in your mouth not wow. in your hand you guys instantly became corporate robots just now that was amazing <laughs> i'm just reviewing the lines that T- taylor buchanan or whatever the fuck his name had to run through like all right so out of four middle fingers how many middle fingers do you give this movie five <laughs> five out I of four give it, i give it Wait, I, I give I, it the math is hard on this one. <laughs> I give it three and a half middle fingers only because one of the middle fingers is smashed with a sledgehammer. Love it. <laughs> uh, so we, we need to do this again, but preferably we can do a good movie next time. Yeah. Um, we spent 56 minutes talking shit about this terrible film, which is almost 
30 minutes less than the movie actually the length of the film i can guarantee you too this will be our number one hit fucking episode of the pod <laughs> i'm calling it now the mirror of suck the mirror yeah of suck. All, all, all of the addison ray fans are gonna fucking jump you over know what? us okay and and to this point you know what addison ray like she's not she's not like she's a, fine a, a great actor but she doesn't do a terrible job you know what i mean i just can't stand like, the the like influencer voice she has like hey guys which is why i said this is meta <laughs> is that no, knows she's deliberately not, throwing that different no. voice that's that, no, that, that's a thing. There's like, I don't. I don't think it's. Point. I don't think it's meta though. I think it's just playing a character of the times. I don't think it's done with the un with the an intentional like comedy undertone to it. I don't think that's there. I think you're just you're just think. I think you know what it is, Gato. I think you think this movie is so shitty that there has to be something underneath it, I'm, right? I'm trying to give it something. It's nothing. Un- I'm telling. I'm promising. I'm trying you. to find a. I'm yeah, this is like, definitely not like the room or anything no. like this. Is not like the Blair Witch Project where it's so bad it's worth watching. The, the oh, only hold, thing, hold on, the only thing we could hope. Blair Witch Project is a classic, Tom. For who? It, it changed the horror industry forever. I didn't it's say for the, the good. The reason we have like <laughs> ghost paranormal and and do you know? And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna veer show. away from this for a second. Did you know that the Blair Witch Project, I believe to this day, is the most profitable movie of all time? Yeah, because it cost about twelve dollars to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fifty. I mean, fifty thousand. It made over like like I think it made like three hundred million. It it actually took all you needed was a video camera and a couple of cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> Blair Witch Project's awesome. All right, they probably spent more on the fake documentary of the Blair Witch Project than they did on the actual film. You know what I'd like to do? I, I, you know, we should do the Blair Witch sequel, which was, Ooh, yeah, really was, bad. But that was still a better than shit this movie. right there. What's up? It's still better than this movie. Uh, yeah, I like well, a magnitude. I mean, that's, that's marginally, not, marginally. Not, oh no, not, I would say magnitude. It's not saying much though, because um, this was this was obviously a piece of shit. Um, yeah, it, it was it was rough. It was a rough get through because I, I believe I said at one point I was like, "Oh, this movie's got to be almost over," and it was forty five minutes left, and I wanted to die. Question, question: Is this our new measure of suck from now on? Will we use ah. this to determine how sucky something actually is? Is this the golden mm. standard in shitty cinema? No, no, and I'll tell you why. Because this is a Netflix movie, and it's called He's All That, and I'm like, there's no way this movie could ever have a chance. It never stood a chance of being good. I look at bad movies like at like this movie really tried to be good, and it like had like a hundred million dollars, and it failed miserably. Why did it happen? But like this movie, like there was no way it wasn't gonna, it was ever gonna be good, and I don't think it even had intentions of being good. So like. To me, this like there there are much worse movies because of how the like you like I mentioned the snowman right like Martin Scorsese produce like originally was going to produce and direct it Michael Fassbender like unbelievable cast at like Hall of Fame editors and it's a giant piece of shit with six it has six percent on Rotten Tomatoes this actually has on Rotten Tomatoes thirty percent I'm actually shocked by that. Yeah, but I would imagine that all the stands are out there, like, boosting it. But it's mainly critics that contribute to Rotten Tomatoes, so... They love Bounty, though. 
<laughs> it's the quicker picker upper. Yeah, I mean, how could you say no to a bag of Skittles on the floor? Just well, pick them up and eat them. Put well, them in your there, mouth. There's there's two there's two scores. There's a fan score and then there's a critic score, right? That's that was a critic score. That what was, was yeah. anybody know the fan score? Google says sixty percent like this movie. Audience score was twenty three percent. So it's even worse. That tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the the biggest problem I had, and I don't, re- and again, I don't remember she's all that all that well, because it's probably been like twenty years since I seen it legitimately. Um, I was Rachel Lee's cook, Rachel Lee Cook's character in that movie unlikable. She was just very different. She was, was very she, difficult. Was she kind of like a dick though? Like to like was she? Did she think that she was like better than everybody? Because. That's the problem is like you want to make these guys you want to make him a little bit more nerdier and and beat up more and you want to make him likable because then otherwise why I'm not rooting for this guy. I was at no point rooting for that guy to find success at all. My my question is do you think now we're talking about two different time periods and we're talking about casts that are cast from very different cuts of cloth because if you look at, you know, like we went over the the, the original cast there, these were mm-hmm. like people who are good actors that were into acting, who wanted to act. And here we have like influencers and they're recognized as influencers and they're popular in a different way in a different time period. And like, can you even get the same kind of like a built like they, there's not the ability isn't there in in comparison and i'm not saying that that anybody here is incapable of becoming a better actor in in he's all that what i am saying is that it's just that's not their skill set that got them that movie part in the first place no that's true but i but the writing can the it was more the writing than anything else because he was like anti the same guy who wrote it oh, jesus the Christ. same the same guy is wrote both he was maybe. held at gunpoint, though. <laughs> that that maybe. might be. That's why I said it's better. <laughs> maybe I'm just maybe I'm just not remembering. She's all that as well as I thought. We I were did. we were young, and it's very easy for us to get like. I, that's why, like when I was young, I used to think like the fucking the James Bonds with um what's his face Pierce Brosnan with Pierce Brosnan. I thought they were good when I was young. And then I watched other fucking 007s. Daniel Craig jumped in the mix. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 sir. Hmm. I mean, this was the time. This was actually kind of like a golden age of, like, teen movies. Because you had the horror aspect. You had, like, Scream. And then you had She's All That. And then you had the more serious, like, Varsity Blues and things. So, like, it was a it's a good time for teen movies. I, I think Varsity Blues would probably hold up. Pretty well. Yeah, well, because they a lot to of those a movie out of it, uh, a show out of it. Did they really? I didn't even know that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I feel like. I feel like yeah, like right, like I, I feel like I guess maybe she was the same in that movie. Like she probably, like refused Freddie Prince Jr.'s character for a while, and like, oh, he doesn't because then the turn has to happen. But it's just I, it's like you gotta make him like at least a little bit likable. This guy sucked. I mean. I, I think that's the difference, though, is that Rachel Lee Cook's actually like a qualified performer yeah. and actress, and this guy is not. 
Like their definition of like a glow up for him was like they cut like a half inch of hair off his head. And and, and that's the, and back. that's the thing is like they're all attractive people in both movies. So it's like you need to you need to do a better job of making them look like all she did was cut his hair a little bit. Well, this yeah, is, that's with like thing, not right? even like actual clippers. But what was that weird dude's name that looks like the kid from Spider Man? Oh, the 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 guy who's making the app, the science. The guy that was kid. making the app that was like all into the science stuff. Like, yeah, they yeah, make yeah, fun yeah. of the uh, the fact that like they're like like they they make fun of the idea of using him as a bet, right? As part of the bet. I don't remember. Was this actually a part of of she's all that? Was that part of it like was, where it they was actually a bet. And looked at a couple different people? No, I know that yes. it was a bet, but yes. they actually have different yes. candidates and they landed it's, on Laney. It's, it's the yes, it's the it's same Laney thing. Laney Boggs, yep. first first baseman for the the Washington Red Stockings. If I if I remember correctly, yeah. <laughs> <Laney> <laughs> hitting Boggs. hitting two eighty five on the season with thirty homers and forty and eighty six RBIs. Um, yeah, no, I think that was. I yeah, no, there is because I remember at one point. They finally get to Laney Boggs, and like he's like, "Oh, I can't, no, I can't do that. I can't, you know." He's saying like, "And mind you, like it's Rachel Lee Cook with like glasses, and her hair's a little messy." And I'm like, "Get the fuck out of here, and, man!" Well, yeah, but you know what I want to say about that is I think that the idea is not that, not that you can't turn an ugly person into someone that's popular and all that have very attractive qualities and they could just be hidden behind different walls i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna come out i'm gonna come out and say it though that like she was hot even as like in the beginning like she was hotter (laughs) in some ways yeah (laughs) i'm even in in that they just took her her glasses off and put her in a cocktail dress that was well that was that was a joke because she flips her hair takes off the glasses right yes yeah because like i even i remember being i I remember being what probably 11 watching that movie because it came out in 99 so i was probably 11 or 12 years old and i was like yeah like art student like kind of you know glasses on i'm like hell yeah rachel lee cook definitely and they're like trying to like pretend and like they're trying to pretend like she's like the ugliest chick ever. And I'm just this is so ridiculous. <laughs> oh god. We we probably should have done our homework and rewatched She's All That too. Yeah, now for that the, I think for the about best it. comparisons here. No, but, but it, I I think it I think we did a good job on our own. I think if I think we needed to see He's All That for what it was because I think there is enough there to be incredibly critical of and we don't need a film that is good in our memories to be like almost tainted by like this terminator 2 from fucking the future <laughs> this t1000 that's come back and slaughtered this she's film all, that we knew and liked she's all that is only 42 percent on rotten tomatoes so it's not that much higher as far as critics are concerned but I think in the in the aggregate, that is a better film because there are so many oh, better yeah. actors and actresses in it that have had sustainable careers. And and ultimately, the creation of that film was genuine. Like, granted, yeah, it was designed to prop it up. It was original. Own... Yeah. It... Well, not really, because it's actually like a remake of three other films. But <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. a different if it's a, it's a different take on My Fair Lady and another one as well. T- but... Taming of the Shrew. 
something like that yeah yeah because that's like that's a 10 things i hate about you if which is a classic um it's based off like the shakespeare like i'm gonna take the ugly girl and like you know make her make her pretty and shit cinderella story kind of yeah yeah pretty much derivative of it but all that to be said like i think the 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 origins of she's all that are a little bit more they're a little bit more meaningful than like, hey, we have this TikTok star that we signed to a contract. Let's just throw her in a movie and whoever watches it is going to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, it's. We have to change the subject because we I, are I know. at an hour and 10 of talking about this movie and we go another 20 whoa, minutes. Whoa, whoa. We've made an hour and a half. We, we spent about three minutes talking about Huey. So slowly rolls here. OK, it's only been an hour and five minutes now. <laughs> Look, I'm not mad. I could talk about this all day, but ultimately, like, I think somebody at the end of this in a couple of days is to be like, please just kill me. <laughs> Q, have you watched the HBO staircase? I have not uh, quite yet. I've been, it's on my list, though. I'm finishing uh, Stranger Things right now, and um, which is actually really good. Uh, this season i was not a big fan of two or season two or three no um but i'm actually like i was like oh you know what gato said it was really good so i'll fucking give it a shot and it's actually really really good do you need to pay attention like do you need to remember shit from the second and third season or can you kind of just pick so there is a season three recap um on netflix that it's like three minutes long and it kind of breaks down the past season so that was a good help because I had forgotten everything and I watched a, a, that little segment. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Everything's coming back to me now. And uh, I just jumped into season four. The villain and in season four is coming back to him. <laughs> yeah. The villain in season four is really fucking cool. Um, Wait, what so I'm, is I'm this thinking... show? Stranger Things. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Nice. Nice. Did you, did you, with, I'm on with, uh, the song. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was pretty. Running up a hill. Yeah, that was a great scene. Um, oh, what's what's her name? And that's uh, Kate Bush. The there? song. No, uh, I mean the character there. Oh, I don't. I, the 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 redhead chick. The red, yeah, the little redhead yeah, girl. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Who's like I, who's like nineteen or twenty at this point? But yeah, there's too many. There's some, well, they 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 still look kind of young though. I mean, like they they, they still look like they, they could easily pass for like fifteen. So it's funny, as I think that a lot of this was actually filmed before the pandemic. Yeah, I don't know if they actually fully paused on it. So the first few episodes, everyone's kind of young still, because yep. I, I don't know. You might notice it towards the end of the 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 last episode that's available. You'll you'll notice the age. Okay, and that yeah. would make kind of sense. Because yeah, they yeah, scene, do like some reshoots and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Season five, they said there's going to be a time jump, so that will yeah. fix some of that problem. Is is this season? Well, this season's technically not over. They still have two more two, to release. It two in more in yeah, two more in July, and I think they're both going to be like an hour and a half. And then there's one more season after this, so season five, and then that's it. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it's pretty amazing that 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 show was supposed to be an anthology, and like it was supposed to be new characters every single season, new villain, new location, and all that. And like they were so popular 
those kids those kids became so popular off of the first season that they were just like we're just gonna roll with it and keep doing same same yeah. area and same kids well that's the that's kind of the crazy thing about it is it is a little bit anthologic in that the the big bad changes almost every season oh yeah definitely yeah and the big bad in this one is real fucking good this is seems like the ultimate bad so i don't know how they're going to top this unless it's a continuation of the season i, five. I think there might be a continuation because like i'm pretty deep into it and like they don't even really know who he who it is yet it, wait till they tie it up for you and you're like fuck yeah okay i'm, yeah. I'm excited I'm going to probably finish that tonight. I think I'm only got like two more episodes left. So. Oh, you don't want to go to the bar? Oh, bummer. <laughs> I should start drinking then. I got nothing better to do. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Robert's a pretty woman. You know, except for the whole hooker thing. So, what now? I don't know. Art school? You? I've been kind of thinking about art school myself. Art? Yeah. You don't take art? Yeah, but I'm thinking more along the lines of performance art. Be silent, be still. Be silent. Zach. What? Shut up. <laughs> Talking about other things that suck. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about other things that are convoluted and confusing is the... Um, the mentality that a lot of workplaces and companies are taking now when we're talking about bringing employees back to the office. Um, there's been a number of articles that have come out recently in favor of um, office workers returning to their desks in a physical fashion back in the building that their their company is housed. And um, I know, Q, you had mentioned that Axios had put one out that was basically a big uh MTA propaganda piece, which I find very interesting. Um, I found an article from the Australian Financial Times, which um, or the Financial Review, which is a is an opinion piece from somebody who owns a luxury tourism company <laughs> that basically shit all over workers who are asking to to work remotely, and ultimately. Um, Elon Musk has told all of his folks they have to come back to the office and a number of other businesses have done that as well. But I really wanted to talk to you guys about what do you think is this? We've had a significant shift away from companies saying we want to create a remote workforce that is able to to work whenever they want and have the comfort of working from home. And then all of a sudden it seems like as soon as people stop paying attention to the COVID pandemic, they're all saying, all right, now you have to come back to the office and you need to maintain your quote unquote traditional working environment. Mm -hmm. So yep. what do you guys think? What, like, let's get into this. Let's talk about this. I feel like it's, um, it, it feels very much like 
people like it, it's usually coming from upper management and it feels like they they want to be able to control their workforce and they don't feel like they can do that um while they're working from home despite the fact that every study i've read shows that um, people are, are better off working from home. There was a Stanford study of 16,000 workers over nine months found that um, home increase, homework increased productivity by 13%. Um, it also plays into the idea that if you're not around other coworkers, more often you're not going to spend that time. Cause like I, I, I work in, you know, I've worked in many different offices and a lot of times you end up like talking about whatever the game from the previous night when you're isolated and you're kind of sitting here by yourself, there's really not much more you can do than focus on work. Um, so I, it feels like it's just an upper management that likes having people there. But I also think corporate real estate plays into this mm-hmm. um, because a lot of these companies and I mean, Tesla just spent a lot of money moving from California to Texas probably spent a huge amount of money on uh, a brick and mortar type building, you know, like an actual building for for people to work in and they don't feel like they're getting their due. But then we talk about Eric Adams, uh, the mayor of New York, who has been really pushing, like almost demanding people to go back to work, despite the fact that he's a Democrat and Democrats have spent the last few years talking about how we need to be smart and be safe and all that. Now, all of a sudden, now that it wasn't an election year, it's COVID has gone away and doesn't matter anymore. Um, and it's it, it screams that he is really focused on real estate because he talked about the fact that work from home is crippling the New York economy. How is it crippling the New York economy when all these bars, all these restaurants are full? And if you're working from home, you're still going to like order takeout. It doesn't mean that you just never leave your home and don't ever spend any money anywhere. It to me, it just screams that corporate real estate, uh, real, corporate real estate people are losing a lot of money because no one wants to invest in big buildings anymore in big cities, and they're trying to force people back to work. Uh, just to kind of push that cause. And we can talk about Stephen Ross too, because that was a article I shared with you guys the other day. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in the sense of like, what's the motivation to bring people back to the office. And ultimately you're referencing a number of studies that have talked about productivity. And I'll speak for myself personally. Like when I, when I worked at a college, very often what my eight thirty to about 9.30 or 10 would look like would be just people coming in and out of my office talking to me. And, you know, when, when we went remote, I felt so productive from that time where I would need to remind myself like, Hey, you need to get up and walk around for a second. Right. And ultimately our university president said like, we're going to bring everyone back to work, even though that there's no students on campus anymore. We want everyone back on campus and functioning as normal. And ultimately I was having a conversation with a colleague of mine where I said like, it's not about a productivity thing because right now we're doing everything that we need to and we're doing everything that we're being asked to do. Ultimately what this is coming down to is people who are uncomfortable trusting us to do the work that we're doing. They want to see us in our desks. But ultimately like I remember I would be, you know, a Thursday or a Friday at like 2.30, I wouldn't have any more work to do. Like I had a lot of student meetings and things like that. And that took up most of my time, you know, from like three to five, I would just fake work. 
Yeah. Like you have a, you have a screen, you have like a PowerPoint or you have a spreadsheet on one monitor and then you have Facebook or something else on the other. And people will be like, Oh, Tom, you stay so late. I'm like, I stayed late and I just surf the web or fuck around with my friends and I wait for all the traffic to leave. So I'm not sitting in my car from five to five 45. I'd rather just sit at my desk and not have to just like get angry sitting in a traffic jam. So I think ultimately a lot of it comes down to just general tr lack of trust with the people that are on the ground. And this article that I referenced from Australia says some pretty, uh, pretty interesting thoughts about people who serve and work from home capacities where quote, um, Working from home is self-serving and ignores the material negative implications of isolated work, both for employers and team members. Any discussion on permanent work from home must be prefaced by noting work from home isn't merely a first world issue, but one that is relevant to a relatively small cohort of people. And it basically goes on to say people who want to work from home are task fillers. And if we are just doing or completing tasks in our job, Who's to say somebody in another country that's going to be paid less than us can do the same work? And shit, yeah, that's true. But ultimately, a majority of the white collar jobs out there are fucking task filling jobs. And yeah, we have little assignments that we have to do throughout the day. But honestly, I can do it from home. Like I don't need you here. And, and I hate to break it to like you know people who've made that excuse before, and it's like if they're going to ship it overseas and have someone in a, in a, in a, in a uh, developing nation, you know, do it for cheaper. Guess what? They're going to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're like you going back to the office. Isn't going to stop them. If that thoughts in their head, it's not, it's, it's not going to change anything. And like, again, yeah, like you said, Tom, cause like there's another study, um, a survey, a survey in uh, by air tasker uh, shows that work from home employees spent less time avoiding work 15% difference and ultimately 1.4 more days working each month. So if you take out the amount of time that people are either taking breaks, not doing work, you're ultimately almost contributing a day and a half more per month just in that time. Um, so it's definitely not, the, it's definitely like you said, like they, it's more of like people wanting to kind of have people under their thumb, um, being able to control their workers more but i want to i want to shift to stephen ross for a second um sure. so for, for anybody who doesn't know who stephen ross is he is the owner of the miami dolphins and he he came out the other day and said he believes a recession will force remote workers back to the office so like like a fucking bond villain sitting there almost like gleefully laughing at the idea that Oh, the positive side of, of this country going into a recession, which is going to hurt um, people of less means uh, more than a person worth $80 billion like himself, is that the, the bright side of the recession is that it will force the, you know, plebeian workers to be go to, back to the office because they'll fear being jobless in a recession um, when it's a job that they can clearly do from home and it, it provides more happiness to the employee because you know obviously the commute commutes are expensive for anybody who's not from long island the monthly train ticket from long island railroad um to go from like ronkonkoma which is my base station the closest station to me 
to Penn Station is $360 a month. It used to be $405. They lowered their prices, which is shocking. That's money that was not that it won't be in your pocket. Not to mention that if you're shot, if you're like oh always eating out, right? And like unless you have the time to like make yourself lunch, you're gonna be constantly eating out, which is gonna cost a lot more money. I think it's they called it lunchflation. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe they referred to it as. There are so many extra costs for people who are already not making as much money as an upper management um, person would that it's almost not cost efficient to return to a job that requires a large commute. Yeah. And even outside of like mass transit, thinking about how much money it would cost just to fill your car a month is probably going to be. You know, if you're somewhere in the United States, it's probably costing you between three fifty to four hundred and fifty dollars a month just to put gas in your car, right? Easily, now. especially now, yeah. So, again, like we're we're forcing people to have to spend money that they don't have to go to an office that they don't need to go to to do tasks that they can do in their living room. Everything's on the cloud now, and I really don't understand the the philosophy of like if we can do all of this work remotely, why can't we? And I want to get your thoughts on a, a quote from this article, Gatto, that I found particularly interesting. It says um, it's referring to like mental health being one of the, the main drivers of why people should go back to work. It says um, it's not just a mental health issue that suffers. The ability to progress a career is materially jeopardized by working from home. The best way to get a promotion is to be close to the person doing the promoting. Not only do young team members lose the ability to learn, they also lose the chance to showcase their abilities. Work from home is perfect for task fillers, people who are content in their role but don't want to create real value or show initiative. It robs ambitious younger team members of the opportunity to grow. Gatto, like just hearing that, what what is going through your mind right now? My, my fucking opinion about any of this shit is that we have two very different and i think equally diluted sides to the work from home return to office debate i think first off we have to acknowledge that work in america is mostly like this is the united states of spreadsheets most of us are fucking we we do tasks we we are uh we are task uh task takers for the most part there's very little room to grow in most organizations and most of them Mm -hmm. that tell you that are these chaotic crazy ones that have high turnover and that's that's actually the fucking truth about that in terms of delusion between like the people that want us to return to office i think a ceo is sitting at home and they're working from their office and they're going oh i had someone to go do that for me or i had someone go do this for me and i was a lot more on task because i wasn't doing these things now they're getting up they're going to like the fucking fridge they're realizing how much time is actually in their schedule that's getting burnt away by distraction in the home. And they go, this must be happening to all my fucking employees. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening to me must be the same as what's happening to them. And I think I think they forget that in an office place, and I think you guys mentioned this earlier. Ooh, pardon me. Oh, that was a nice beer burp. Um, is that in either a workplace or a home setting people are going to get distracted 
And I don't think that's a good indicator of whether or not someone's actually getting the job done. What is a good indicator of whether someone's getting the job done is if the job is getting done, is if all their responsibilities are being met. And I think that there is a qualitative answer to this in which we forget to ask the employee, like, while doing your job, did you enjoy it more in one location versus the other? And I think a lot of people are going to say, without having put the extra effort in of waking up, getting ready, fucking, you know, jumping in the shower, getting getting in the car, going on my commute, whatever it has to be, to get to an office to do that job, which is an inconvenience in itself, it makes the job that much easier to do. And I think people are much more willing to do that and stay on task when they need to because they don't want to blow a good thing. And if what it boils down to is that there are some people that are losing out because there's been a change in the workplace, we have to remember that there has been tons of instances like this in the past. For instance, when the internet hit, when the internet became big, when we started doing email, right? What happened? The paper industry went to shit. Right. You know what I mean? When when we had online ads, we weren't doing as many paper ads. You know, when we started with ebooks, we had less books. So the whole printing industry, the paper industry has has fucking collapsed in. Why? Because of a new a, a new change in the way we live our lives. And this is nothing new. And I and I'm sorry, but I can't feel bad for any corporate real estate company, regardless of how many employees it, it employs, because they're still charging insane numbers to get people into their buildings. It's costing tons of money. And if it can reduce the costs of a bottom line, it might save jobs in other businesses if they're working from home. So I just can't get behind a lot of this. I, and I'm sorry, but like with the price of gas and the combustible engines on, on the environment, this is all good working from home. There's a lot of positive benefits to society for more working from home not yeah. not to not to mention also the ability to potentially move to a cheaper city and work you know work in wherever and you know you because you're remote and that and I, discount passes back to the business because if i'm living somewhere cheaper now i don't have to ask for more money i will be content with making less money yep. and the, re- the reality is most organizations these days are flat there's not much room to grow. That's how I started this whole conversation. It's or this true. Fucking monologue of mine in the first place. No, so. it, 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 and again, if 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 on one hand they're calling people you know who work from home task fillers, but then saying that they're missing out That's on a golden opportunity, yeah, missing out on a golden opportunity to to advance. If you only view these people as task fillers and that's all they're doing, then you clearly probably don't have a vision for them as some kind of like corporate CEO. Well, on the flip side of that, too, this whole notion that the ability to progress a career materially jeopardized by working from home, the best way to get promoted is be close to the person who's doing the promoting. That's counterintuitive how that's actually supposed to work. Basically, what you're saying is the people that are going to brown nose are going to get promotions. Well, that's actually true. Yeah, that is significantly true. The people that there's been studies that the people are more interested in how their uh, employer or their boss is doing, whether rather than the work that they're involved in, have seen an increase or in the potential to get a, a raise. So, and, and I think that again is bothersome because you should be going off of like your work output in the production, and ultimately that's how all these companies are kind of grading us out. It's like, well, your productivity is down, like. 
we not need to put you on a professional improvement plan. This shit that Amazon does to people. But at the same time, like my ability to like brown nose and suck up to you should not be why I get a promotion. I can be professional. I don't have to like suck your ass the whole time though. And, and, and God, I would hope you're not sucking those asses. I'm definitely but, not sucking asses. <laughs> um, you know, uh, um, that actually goes exactly to like a huge thing. Like everyone will agree. It's not what you know, it's who you know, right? Like that's, mm -hmm. that's the big one, right? Who, who are you connected to, whatnot? And those are the things like we're, we're sidestepping that entire conversation with this whole productivity thing, right? Like uh, inevitably there are way too many factors that contribute to a person getting a raise that have nothing to do with their output. You could just be in the right place at the right time in a company and they need to fill a vacuum. That's all it takes, you know? Um, and, and don't get me wrong. I think there are places that do have, you know, fine refined meritocracy that um, does work and, and is it's important, but like people that are just behind spreadsheets, like, a significant amount of us out in this in this current economy like we have not much to prove like the the thing that stands out is when we fuck up it's not how good you put the information into a spreadsheet or how well you wrote up that fucking cover letter or word document whatever it is yeah you know, no one cares <laughs> no i understand i understand completely and i think this this notion that that you're not creating real value and you're creating loneliness and all this stuff in your work staff. Like I think the work industry also deserves some blame for that too. Cause we're talking about New York city, like the New York times just ran this big article about how expensive it is to live in the city and how there are people that are in their thirties living with four or five other individuals in these like two bedroom apartments in Manhattan. Like, I don't understand how you can demand people go back to work while at the same time, there is no possibility that somebody who's making 35 or $45,000 a year can live in a major city. It just, that doesn't make any sense to me why you're demanding these people do this thing. If they are going to forever be stuck in a cycle where they're not able to get out of it, unless they leave that environment or they're able to live in a place that's less expensive and, Again, like we're all task fillers in our jobs. And this this article references like teachers and nurses and construction workers and things like that. Like, yes, those people on those people need to be in person. However, yeah, there's no silver silver bullet for these people, you know, right. for, for, for everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. But ultimately, like there's there's a number of other jobs out there that do not require you to go into an office with the with high speed Internet being available, with the fact that you have basically a supercomputer comparative to what it was 10 years ago, sitting in your living room or your bedroom, and then having the opportunity to access basically all of your work resources online via the cloud or Google drive or MS 365. Like this whole notion of having to go to an office to plug into a computer that you have at home just does not make any sense. And I mean, I think if there's a real concern about like people not having community, then you need to go back out into your actual community and build a community, which has been subsequently killed by a number of other industries, by the way. So, okay. So one thing I will, I do understand is that, and this is where people that work from home do need to think, you know, like be a little considerate is that not everyone 
does feel better in a work from home setting. So there mm-hmm. are workers that really do want to be back in office. And I, I mean, I understand that and I don't, I, I still don't want to go into the office, but I, I know that they need that type of like, um, they need the interaction. Work, that interaction to, yeah, to get through their day. But with that said, I would also say those people need to be patient because I think there's opportunity here for like anytime there's like a different problem, like we'll figure out the tools or technology. What we have right now are good enough tools, but I think over time, they like our collaboration tools will get better for working with bigger distance between us. When when companies went global, which was kind of what caused us to have these collaboration tools to begin with, they needed to, to handle certain demands of us, but we were still in the office capacity. Now that they're a lot more remote, they're going to continue to work on and reiterate these to make them better. And I think the tools and the nature of the work, given some more time, as long as we continue to try it, will get better. Just have the patience, right? That's what we need. So yeah. bosses, if you're out there, you know, I know, I know all you all you billionaire fucking CEOs out there. They are captains of industry. I know you're listening to this podcast. I know you're big fans of this pod. Huge fan. Be patient. They're all fans. Be patient with with the work from home and let it work for you and figure out ways to cut your bottom line in fucking removing rented office space. Fucking save that money on the electric bill. You won't need half your HR department if the creepy guy isn't in the office. You know what the I problem, mean? Come on. The problem, the, the problem here, though, is that like with both political parties, it, it, it's, it's a they're all issue. it becomes a political issue, and yeah. in both sides, because you look at Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, arguably one of the worst mayors I've ever seen. He went on this whole tirade about going back to the office, and he, you know, he's stopped also going any, on tirades about cheese, so. <laughs> And he tried to make the point that people are no longer social because they're not they're not in the office anymore. As in, like all your social interactions come from your fucking job. I think like, that's telling, though. If that's the case, if that's truly the case, then your job is your life, and that's not how it's supposed to work. But can exactly, reach, um, yeah, reach. It should not yeah. be that your your work friends are your like everyday regular friends too it can be that way but it shouldn't be a ult like an ultimate you know it shouldn't be an absolute is what i'm trying to say and then and then they'll and then they'll say you're being too friendly with people on at work and you need to get more work done so it's like what what it's 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 really bullshit but when you realize like eric adams is really just doing the bidding of corporate real estate companies in in new york city but the problem is like kathy hockley the you know i guess she's the interim uh, yeah uh, governor, yeah, interim governor of New York City. She's also apparently um, I, the, there's a, there's been a big push for her uh, to revamp Penn Station, and yes. like yes, she's yes, not yes. going she's not going through the uh, traditional safeguards of like what you do when you want to push something a big project like that through. Do you know who's apparently behind that project? Elon Musk, Stephen Ross. Oh, good. So you're going to see not only Republicans, but Democrats also playing the same game of like everyone needs to get back to the office. Oh, COVID's not real until November. And then Democrats are going to pretend it's real again. So, I mean, in, in Hochul's case, Hochul, I, yeah, would, I, I would 
I don't know. I haven't seen too much about returning to the office. I do know she is working on that deal with, uh, with uh, develop or redeveloping Penn Station, doing doing upgrades to it. I understand that you're just trying to get jobs. You're just trying to make jobs, especially good high construction jobs. That goes a long way with unions, which that is a vote you're going to probably need in the next election because state New York State has become very red in some of the areas that are outside of Manhattan. Um, and, and so that will do it for you. So I understand that. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I, I, I want to be clear. Starting. Uh, I want to be clear. I'm not against, I'm not for or against the, uh, the Penn station re revamping. It's just pointing out that like these, these, oh, these billionaires have their claws, right? They have like, she's clearly doing his bidding in this. So it's, it's, it's very because like everyone's saying like you know it's not necessary at this time um and like you know it usually goes under like a review for a long time um i don't, I have not seen her putting really anything specific i don't i don't think i've seen anything uh say, saying that she's telling i think oh no no she knows she did uh yeah new york won kathy hochel said she would want new yorkers to get back work from their offices instead of their homes yeah so she's calling for it too okay I mean that's stupid of her, but hey, she's entitled to that opinion. Um, I, I, I do I, want I do <laughs> want to go back to one more piece that was in this uh, financial review article that I, I kind of laughed at, and I want to get your guys' take on it. Um, the the writer references some research that was done, and he says research shows that having friends at work significantly increases engagement and, unsurprisingly, loyalty. Smart employers use the office environment not as a cost center, but as a retention tool, a means to differentiate their employment brand from competitors. I don't think this individual read that research, actually, because I think it's fair to say that we all have had work friends in the past, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think having work friends means I am loyal to a company. No. I think it means I am loyal to my friends and the people that I work with. Right. When I when I hear like loyalty in the workplace, I think of like the, the mafia and Omerta. You know, like the fucking yeah. dying pledge to fucking do whatever it takes to safeguard this company from ruin or arrest. And it's like that's the slippery slope in which we get people doing bad things. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. This stops people from doing bad things. <laughs> and, and ultimately, too, I think this is bullshit in the sense that companies have proven time and time again that they will not be loyal to you. Right. Yes. So right. why Which... are we going? Why are we going to be loyal to them? The years of working at like Kodak or IBM for 45 years and getting the gold watch, those are over because ultimately a lot of these companies will go through. Growth, decline, growth, contracting, growth, contracting, and they'll hire people and then they'll fire people. And in some cases, like none of that has any do anything to do with the worker that's being fired. It's like, oh, yeah, we uh, invested in this thing and it didn't work. So we're going to have to cut, you know, 10% of our workforce. I'm, I'm reading online. There's a bunch of folks that I think 10% of the workforce at this company called Compass just got let go. Um, Coinbase fired like 18% of their workforce. That company just went public. Like, I think the question about loyalty is one that's a little alarming in the sense that I, I used to work in higher education, working on college campuses. And one thing that somebody always told me is says, never love the university that you work at because it will never love you back. 
that's yeah and and that is exactly like businesses the the chance they get to pay you less or give you less if it, it boosts their bottom line they're taking it and it's yeah. it's a no no hard feelings thing and that's why i've always sat here and i go you know you hear these stories of like personal sacrifice to make to build this business or make it great you know you hear about the stories of like the early days of amazon when these people were working like 20 hours a day sleeping in their cars fucking writing the fucking code for the website and then they were they were going in and they were fucking filling boxes to to ship right and that's what built these these fucking companies and like i'm sure a lot of those people that were there at the ground floor got their due but like those examples of personal sacrifice rarely translate in in actual like businesses and the minute the business can it's just gonna fuck you for a better a better bottom line yeah you know? and there are there are i would i would also say too there are more stories about people putting in a lot of work only to be let go yep then there are stories of people on the ground floor and they're becoming c-suite people yeah. It is, yeah for sure like, thank, thanks a lot for the hard work and see you later. Yeah, here's yeah. your like 0.001% of like your stock equity or whatever. Yeah, it happens over and over again, man. I think that's a good rule to live by. And like, we've seen now that in common day, you're like you said, the gold watch and 45 years of service, it's not how it goes anymore. It's really you're incentivized to actually jump you want to see some consistency right like no job you don't want to hire you if you are jumping every six months you know to another job but the idea that you spend a year at a job and then you're like okay what what are other people paying it's to get more salary so and this whole work from home thing is real simple makes total sense or, or, or comfortable going they want to go back to the office but there are people like people have children you know and it's like it's hard to manage that Daycare is very expensive. expensive too. Daycare is so expensive. Um, you know, everything that goes into it, it, babysitters and all that, it's a it's a hard like and people people wonder why like a lot of our young young people don't want to have children. It's pretty simple. It's too difficult in this day and age where it's a world that tells you we don't give a shit about you. We're not gonna help you out any turn, and you have to rely on yourself and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Well, then I'm just going to focus on myself and I'm not going to have children then because it becomes too inherently difficult. Having that extra money for not commuting, having that peace of mind that you're working, you know, you, you work independently, no, no extra money being distributed, no extra time being distributed. It's, it provides comfort to, I would say, an overwhelming majority of people. And I, I you're going, this is going to be something that's, in a couple months from now, we're either going to see a huge push from people to, you know, businesses are going to have to reassess because too many people are quitting or too many people are just flat out refusing that they, the point that they can't fire them, or we're going to see people comply and it's going to go back to normal. Yeah. I would also say too, it's, it's probably a way for companies to draw a line in the sand for some of their employees as well. Like, Hey, we really want you to come back to the office. And some of them will say no. And they'll basically force them back because they'll say, you either do it or it's your job. And they'll they'll comply and then they'll leave and then they just won't fill the positions. That also yeah. 
Because because we are we are facing a recession right now, and they're going to want the the employees to do their dirty work for them. They won't have to pay them severance. They won't have to do all these things. They're hoping that the the folks that don't want to work in the office they'll they'll show themselves out instead of having the hard conversation, which is quite frankly a lot easier because. Gato, you and I know somebody who we went to school with, and she started working remote, I think, in 2018. And no problems. Like, we also know somebody who has worked remote for since we can remember. And no problems. And ultimately, like, this can certainly be done. It's just a question of whether companies are willing to be brave enough to stand up and and advocate for their workers i doubt it if you want to build a culture and a community and all of these things that your mission and values statement says you're actually going to have to do it and it's not going to be like an ice cream cake party it's going to be giving people what they need to be i you know i do worry that there is a nefarious edge to this and that the negotiators and deal makers of the business world are making the return to office a thing just so that they can do a restructuring and argue that, oh, if you're not commuting, you're saving that money and, you know, the business is doing that in your interest and they'll try to make it like it's your interest. And so therefore we should pay you less, you know, Fed, I, Fed, I, Fed chairman, Fed chairman said he wants to get wages down. And, and you know what? Return, return to the office all of these types of things where they're talking about like every time i hear someone call out like you know millennials gen z's gen x for you know being whiny entitled what like terrible workers it's all just part of a smear campaign against workers you know what i mean like lazy workers workers that don't want to be in the like it's just and this is all the same shit that people were saying in 1900 about workers is what andrew yep. carnegie and all of his goons were saying too yep then you know what? And this is the funny thing. It's like, if if workers are so terrible, then why are you still in business? Why is your company successful? It's because of off the back of workers. So if you're going to complain about your workers one minute, you know, like, you better be able to back it up that they're failing you that bad. Because I don't think they're going to be doing you that much better anyhow than you would be able if you had perfectly working robots or what have you fucking doing the work. Like I'm, sick of, is, like, I'm sick of businesses not being able to prove that shit. They always talk that game. It's garbage. I mean, you, garbage. Even, you even can look back to, like, copper towns and mining towns and railroad towns that were created by, like, the captains of industry in the 1870s all the way up into 1900, where they basically would build towns to control the labor market. And um, ultimately... There was always a struggle between the worker and the managers about like decent wages, decent places to live, um, what we're spending our money on or what we're having to spend our money on. And ultimately, the threat from the threat from the employer is, well, we could find somebody that will do it cheaper. Do it. We can fire you. Um, and then ultimately, like, I have to think like. There has got to be a company out there that sees all of this and says, we are willing to buck the trend of fighting workers and build something with them. Because ultimately, people who feel connected to their workplace are going to work harder for it because they know that their work their workplace 
cares about them. And I think we are starting to see companies that are understanding that a little bit more than what we did in the 60s and 70s, where it was just like the organizational man, like don't think, just work. Well, kind of well like the, the, so that's like ESG stocks, right? Like these are mm -hmm. companies that have like good governance practices in, in they, they often have uh, employee friendly policy and stuff like that. And like, I am a big fan of these, these companies, even if they're doing it only because of the the boost that it does to their stock, at least they're doing something that is in in favor of a longer sustainable outcome. Yes, mm -hmm. I, I in my in my personal opinion, I think um, you know there's gonna either this is we've we've spent we've spent most of the industrial revolution and beyond as a clash between the business owner or the stockholder and the um the worker right it's always just been a conflict and it's 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 two adversarial points right they're two adversarial um entities but i think we're going to come to a point where like we're going to go back to unions i th i don't think i don't think people are going to be able to live without union strength to to basically get them the things they need to be able to take these jobs and do these jobs. Um, because like the price of living is just out of control right now. You know what I mean? Like one can afford it, right? We're up what 40%. Um, we're, this is the highest point gas. This is the highest gas has been in 40 years. Like it's, it's getting to an un unsustainable point. Like rent is way too high. It, it used to be the rule was that it should only be, one paycheck um mm -hmm. of your monthly 25 percent of your total income and now it's above 50 you know and it's like with all these trends like the the place where the money has to come and and obviously it has to come from somewhere um it looks like it's gonna have to come from businesses because the government is too inept to do it other ways um and and to rein in on the businesses so unionization seems to be the only way especially when they're the these businesses are still pulling in um, earnings reports that are better each and every quarter. And the, the CEOs are walking away with these huge fucking, you know, 300, they're making 350% more than the average worker. You know, it's, it's not, it's, it's a total imbalance of the system. Um, and, and, and Q, you had mentioned something last week too, and I had forgot to mention it. You were talking about, um, how much it was for um, you were talking about just like what the price, the taxes on companies were um, back in the well, it, under, well, under Eisenhower, was, right? That was a, that was a marginal tax rate. So it was like, it was actually on individuals. Right. But at the same time, the difference back then was that this country was heavily unionized yeah, and that marginal tax rate goes down and down and down. And you also see a drop off in union membership throughout the country because many of those jobs are just outsourced to other countries. Um, I'm reading hey, a man. book, right? I'm reading a book right now called the unwinding by George Packer. And they're talking about like the steel industry in Ohio, basically just getting up and leaving and saying, pretty, Fuck. pretty much just, just look at over time since pretty much like the fifties, look at the amount of wealth that, Company CEOs have attributed 
and look at the amount of money that has gone into wages. Look at look at wages over that time. Yep. And it's essentially a flat line that's not keeping up with inflation. If you're giving out like four or five percent um, increases at the end of the year, it's essentially a pay cut. Yep. Either one of two things has to happen, and that's that we rein in in general what companies can can make and earn um, over over the entire economy. Right, it's flatten out growth and and earnings in in a given time period that's why i i like the idea that anything over 10 percent that a company earns is then invested in that company's name back into an index fund of the market Um, so to give you an idea right so earning so for a 1960 a income earning above two hundred thousand dollars per tax policy center um Earnings above two hundred thousand dollars in nineteen sixty were taxed at ninety percent. So you made whatever I don't know what the tax rate was for anything under two hundred thousand. You paid your normal tax rate under two hundred thousand. Once it hit two hundred thousand, anything over that dollar amount got taxed at ninety percent. And there were still wealthy people back then, but like ultimately they weren't fucking, you know, doing what they're doing today. And obviously, if you look at the chart. It, it was sixty nine. Uh, percent when Reagan took over in 1981 and ever since then it's been under pretty much he he shot it down to under 40 percent um roughly about 30 percent and it's been kind of hovering around 30 to 40 percent ever since so you're seeing not even just at the corporate level but on the individual level um people are are being gifted this ability to just like make an absorbent amount of money off of the back of their workers and ultimately are not paying any price for it. Oh, um, that's why it's crazy when when they talked about like, like um, tax increases for people making over like 1.4 million. I'm like, I'm like, who cares? Like they have 1.4 million dollars. You, you're like fucking kidding me. It's like, yeah, they got plenty, yeah. man. <laughs> you made 1.4 million dollars in a year. Yeah. You're fine. Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders had, uh, Bernie Sanders had talked about a one-time wealth tax and it would have like essentially would have made like Bill Gates. He would have went from like 150 million to like 94 billion. And it's like, and of course he was like, oh, that's not a good idea because you know, reasons. And it's like, (laughs) and it's like, he's still at the end of that, despite a huge hit would still be worth. 94 billion more money than all three of us will ever have in maybe 18 lifetimes and um, every generation <laughs> right of our and our, yeah forever yeah. and ever and ever my ancestors <laughs> and my probably next 10 to 12 rungs of my of my future ancestors will ever have i don't i don't care like they look at it like oh it's government overreach i don't care honestly because you look at the like there's no reason you, bro. i don't either yeah i don't feel you made bad. that off the backs of the american economy and, and let's not forget like, people like musk and people like gates purposely killed any any competition around that time they smushed the little the little guys that were trying to get started in that industry to make sure that like microsoft was the only product you could get so obviously, like Apple and other things came out that were were obviously big as well. But like, there's no competition in those industries. So they were pretty much they pretty much had 
uh, complete control of those industries. So of course, they're going to be billionaires. But like, you're not going to tell me that like Jeff Bezos earned all two hundred billion dollars that he has. It's not true. Well, like at a certain point, you make so much money, the money starts making itself. Right? Yeah, and, and he like and he put. Point... Yeah, he he killed any made any major retailers like Sears and Macy's. He's killing Macy's. And then you have, you know, killing like mom and pop shops. And and they, they always cry like business this is one of the fucking most hypocritical things businesses do. They always cry that like ha- higher taxes or you know more responsibility from them um fiscally is is going to is going to hurt hurt the, the working man. It's gonna hurt employees, they're gonna have to lay people off. And I'm like you just went out and killed an entire industry and you don't give a shit. You killed all those jobs and you don't got a problem with that, but you got a problem with paying some extra bucks after you've just decimated an entire industry. Who the fuck are you? All right, Jeff Bezos. I see you on your dick shaped fucking spacecraft. It was very phallic. (laughs) Extremely phallic. Yeah. It's just, you know, and the sad part is I just don't ever see it changing because again, you know, the way that our political structure is set is that there's really no opposition party. They're all in, you know, they may have minor things socially and all that. And that's, you know, I can agree to that, but fine. But economically they're pretty much in sync. Yeah. Industry made it a point to uh, kill off any kind of worker advocate, senior leadership within the, within the executive and legislative branch in the 1920s and 30s to make sure that wouldn't happen again. Yeah. Things kind of suck. But speaking of things that suck, speaking about big corporate assholes, do we want to get into asshole of the week? Sure. Tom, you can start. Alrighty. So my asshole of the week is going to be um, the one and only Bill Maher. And the reason why Bill Maher is my asshole of the week is just... Um, I think we've talked about this offline. It's just his general decay in understanding of how like politics work, but also he's turned into somebody who basically is willing to contradict his own opinions from four or five years ago to make a point solely for his show. And um, I listened to the most recent episode of real time with Bill Maher the other day while I was on a flight and it, it appeared to me and one of the other guest, one of the guest panelists, they had basically slept the last two and a half years and didn't realize how much and how damaging COVID was for workers, for um, the economy outside of Wall Street. And Crystal Ball, who works for Breaking Points, um, it's a good show. Give it a listen. Um basically had to explain everything of how what actually happened to the economy, what happened to the financial markets during the pandemic. And it just it it really surprised me because Bill Maher was somebody who I always thought was a really insightful point of view when it came to politics, when it came to people. Granted, this is like six or seven years ago. His perspective has shifted to like this very boomer perspective and basically saying everybody who was born after him is a piece of shit and they're lazy. And he's just falling into all of the generational tropes that have normally happened. And again, like this, 
like the only way that we can save the economy is just by funneling money to corporations and using the idea like, oh, there's too much money in the economy and we need to take some out. It's like, that's just archaic bullshit. And it, again, it really disappointed me from how he looks at what the last two and a half years were when he was somebody who fucking recorded his show from his home for a year and a half and talked about how important fighting COVID was to basically saying like, you know, the economy needs basically doing all of the dumb shit that we have talked about on previous episodes. So um, I don't really have much to say. It was just real, real crap. I thought you were going to mention, I thought you were going to mention in his like stand up special where he talks about, um, when he no, sees somebody I, wearing I, a mask outside that's young and he wants to like punch them in the face. <laughs> no, and honestly, I have not watched that and I <laughs> I really don't care because like it's the same joke over and over and over again. It's like, all right, we get it. You you wrote this one down on a cocktail napkin when you were stoned, and oh my god, you're 65 and you smoke pot. Oh, oh my god. So congrats, Bill. <laughs> you're our asshole of the week. We'll send you a t-shirt. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think you're seeing that with a lot of people now. It's like the 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 conversation amongst like the corporate left has shifted more right, and it, it's really like everywhere to where now if you are the to the left of like Ronald Reagan, you're a communist. It's uh, it's crazy. But you know what's insane too, though, is I sit there and I go, whatever you're doing is still not working because you're not getting the moderates that you're you're hoping to gather by moving more right and like they're still siding with these crazy like uh, election rigged conspiracy theorists on the fucking right so you're still doing something wrong you know what i mean that's the insane part and it's probably because you're just not willing to hold your hold your line you're willing to move it to to bring people in i don't know it just you're doing something wrong if you if you're getting the moderates to side with the conspiracy theorists let's put it that way and his whole monologue against the Washington Post, like, or the New York Times, like, it was, was it the Post or the Times? I can't remember which one. It's usually WAPO now. Yeah, it was against the Washington Post. Or Huffington. Like, was it Huffington this No, no, this it was episode? Washington Post, because Dave Weigel works for Washington Post. Like, their whole shit show was, was yeah, something yeah, the... only for them. But at the same time, to blame an entire generation off of, like, a toxic work environment is just is so fucking lazy and so generic. And like, I know he's an older guy and I know he's been doing that show forever, but I mean, at least a little fucking critical thinking would not hurt. And he rails against like the millennial generation and Gen Z for not having critical thinking skills. Like guy, like you sum yourself. I'm done talking about this. Let's move on. Yeah, I'll, I'll go next. Uh, so apparently, I don't know if you guys heard what happened in Alaska uh, not too long ago. So what happened in Alaska? So um, I read. Who did Sarah article. Palin shoot this time? <laughs> I read. Thought an, it was uh, a moose. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I read an NPR article the other day. Um, basically, in an in Alaska public school, twelve children had to go to the hospital. Uh, because they drank four sealant, believing it was milk. Sure. So apparently um, what had happened was 
there's a group called Nana uh, Management Management Services. It's an Alaska-based food and facility services com- uh, corporation that had mistaken a pallet of milk to be delivered uh, to a school. It actually ended up being four sealant. Um, mm. So this is basically so children started drinking it, and obviously very quickly learned that it was not that burned their mouths and throats 12 of them had to be brought to the hospital apparently another two were brought home but may have received um i I just don't know how that happens because i'm guessing that this floor sealant was probably being kept in a non-refrigerated area not sure in any which way you could ever ensure that this was this was was milk at any point and it just speaks to the time that i mean you're you literally at this point we we have become so ridiculous that we're serving kids fucking harmful chemicals i mean that's just like an indictment on the education system right <laughs> i just don't know how that are we, happens are we are we are we serving are we serving them fresh sealant or are we serving them bad milk i can't tell yeah it's <laughs> it's uh it's crazy i Jeez. But I also want to give a special uh, – I, I did not hear about this until a little earlier, so I want to kind of – maybe if I can throw another person in there. There is a man named Eric Greitens, who is a GOP Senate candidate, made a commercial um, the other day for his campaign where he's brandishing a shotgun, has two other guys two, – two or three other guys with him in tactical gear. And he's going rhino hunting, as in Republicans in name only, so essentially hunting other Republicans who don't agree with him. Who is this? Eric Greitens, G R E. Oh, so I know that guy. Do you know why he's running again? Because he was removed from office because I'm pretty sure he's the guy that made a sex tape and blackmailed somebody with it. Ah, of course. Wait, wait how does one? He, he's in, Usually uh, if yeah. you're in the sex tape, you get blackmail. He's the former governor of Missouri. Yeah. So, um... Let's see. There was this was a whole thing, and it was fucking crazy. Um, he had an Screw affair with those somebody. kids that drank the sealant. This is way more assholey. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, I'm allowed. I'm, 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 I'm calling an audible, and I'm making, I'm giving two. But the problem is, Quality I'm essentially, move. I'm essentially like First calling. Down, sir. I'm calling a company an asshole, and this is more individual. So, so Eric Greitens had an affair with somebody in 2015. Um, I'm loving all of he, this. I'm reading this off of Wikipedia. Uh, she consented to having her hands taped to exercise rings above her head while she was undressed after she was being blindfolded. Um, yada, yada, yada. He filmed it. Um, and then he basically said that um, if she say anything, um, and he basically coerced her into sex and uh, said that if she was going to tell anybody, he would blackmail her with a with a picture or a video. Um, come to find out, all that shit happened, and he was removed from office. That's yeah. This guy sounds uh, just like the leadership we need to get the job done. He's a total fucking lunatic. Like this is uh, yeah. this is a very bad dude. Yes. No. This this is a guy that. Who who is contributing to like the the actual bad like he's just a lunatic but like the the bad dude is the person who's contributing to his campaigns and producing these fucking 
commercials and trying to get them reelected. Those are bad people. He's just a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. In early 2018, Greitens' former hairdresser accused him of sexual assault. A bipartisan special investigative committee in Missouri state legislator found the woman overall credible and issued a report on the incident. Yeah, he, resi- he resigned from office um, before he was impeached. I want to I want to also read off. Uh, so Eric Greitens, obviously, you are correct uh, from Missouri. He is running for Senate in Missouri. Uh, the video cuts to a house where Greitens, surrounded by what looks like a tactical unit, waits by the door. The rhino feeds on our corruption and is marked by the stripes of cowardice, says Greitens. The unit smashes down the door and throws what it looks like a smoke grenade. He strides through the door. Quote, join the MAGA crew, he says. Get a rhino hunting permit. There's no bagging limit, no tagging limit, and it doesn't expire until we save the country. So basically, he's advocating for them to start killing uh, the Republicans. You know, if you actually and he will, he will win by twenty points, guaranteed. No, no, no way. No, we'll see. You you want to see the world burn? You have a little. I don't. No, 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 no. No. I I don't. I don't see. I don't see the average American actually voting for this person. It's Missouri. Honestly, I have a really hard yeah. time even the RNC supporting this. The RNC supporting this? I have a hard time seeing it. Oh, okay. I was like, wow, <laughs> I'm really off base on this. Oh, the, by the way, the Texas the Texas GOP just put out their whole like platform and they are denying the 2020 election. Legitimate was... election of yeah. 2020. Yeah. So, That's... I mean, that is literally the state of state the Republican state party in Texas. That is basically saying it's a rigged election. So, I mean, that's that's where I just go. You mad, bro? You mad? Bro? I'm. I, I am not. I am not. Biden's your president. Shut I do. Up. I, I do Fuck have your feelings, snowflake. <laughs> I do have Joker moments, but at the same time, this is more of like I'm just tired. I'm just done believing that these people have any moral like fibers left in them that they're gonna stop like i mean at this point they're almost enjoying this type of stuff so i i i don't don't know if they're all enjoying this i think that's a very large yeah i think it's very it's a large but it will cause no because problems i think at this point these extremists are trying to become celebrities influencers they're looking at like Marjorie Taylor Greens and thinking i can do that too you know like Marjorie Taylor Green will be in Congress for the rest of her life Maybe, maybe not. I would, I would st- steer away from absolutes like that, dude. Mm. Like everyone thought, what's his name, Cornyn or whatever, was was going to be the lock to replace McConnell, and McConnell's now kind of like, I don't think it's going to happen. Mm. Like, so you never, you never know, man. Like things can change real fast. Madison Cawthorn, look, he 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 said three law, three he had three bad gaffes against his own party and. That was all it took. If if you're telling me you're out there trying to take a, take down traditional Republicans, there's no way that they're going to Okay. Do I no would – now, Gatto, I would agree with you if Madison Cawthorn said something like he's a Nazi. Like, like if he came out and said, oh, I'm a Nazi, and then they were like, we're not going to accept that. He's called the Republican Party out for having cocaine orgies and they were like you shut your fucking mouth so they didn't get they didn't get rid of him for good reasons they got rid of him for protection of their party and their identities 
they didn't do it for moral reasons. They did it because they were trying to shut him the hell up. But I think so, they've, been, they've been working on reining back some of these fucking uh, psychos. They have. They've reined back the losers. They've reined back the losers. And I think this guy re- reeks of loser. Uh, in my opinion, I hope you're right. I just, I just don't think. I just, I'm just done expecting people to have any decency left, and I can see him winning by like 20 points. <laughs> but we'll see. Got it. Who you got? So uh, I'm about to lay a smackdown on you guys. Um, my asshole of the week is WWE Chairman and CEO Vince McMahon. Yes. Ah. <laughs> he uh you know uh, friday um they the company launched an investigation into alleged misconduct uh by mcmahon um in in the meanwhile uh stephanie mcmahon will be um running the show the okay. big show <laughs> um so he stepped back um regarding an incident they're investigating a $3 million settlement. Uh, McMahon agreed to pay to an employee that left under an alleged affair. Um, and the story kind of goes that um, he met what I believe was an external legal counsel, got them a job, um, I think believe making a hundred thousand bumped it up to two hundred thousand and then had them inserted at like the head of talent or or by the head of talent um and this is not the first incident um that vince mcmahon is being accused of um he was he was accused uh once in the 80s by a female referee it was the 80s or 90s i forget um and then there was other there was another one an older one um with another former wwe employee um but again they all have ndas so that information right now is not public who and what the nature of those affairs or misconducts were but again here we are with another CEO that feels like it's all for the taking and they can do what they want and their belief in being invincible. There's, there's also, I I see what you did there, by the way. Yeah. There's also been a lot of allegations of, uh, of racism uh, with Vince McMahon also um, not protecting his, uh, his employees and putting them in dangerous situations. I mean, Um, jumping off of ladders onto like panes of glass and stuff doesn't, it's inherently it's inherently a dangerous job yeah but um there there have been times where you know uh there's been rumors that like you know concussions have been ignored and like really bad injuries and basically telling them that if you don't go out there and still wrestle with that horrible injury you're going to be fired um so uh there and just like really skeezy stuff he's been accused of and again it's just accusations at this point so i'm i'm be careful about that but uh yeah it, it doesn't look good for him but uh did you did Gato, did you see uh he he said he was going to address uh smackdown about the allegations and did you did you end up watching that i did not 
so to do that. He basically he went, it was bizarre. It was bizarre. He basically just comes out and he's like, "We're forever here at uh, the WWE," and they're like basically just going on like a, a tangent about like very coded language of like you know nothing can stop us and we're all in this together and yada 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 and then he goes welcome to smackdown and then he just drops the mic he literally does like a mic drop and walks away it was fucking bizarre like i was i was kind of expecting yeah i was kind of expecting him to like say something and like address the rumors and like maybe say so his daughter's taking over in the interim yes yeah and uh, she's she's hasn't commented on anything. She's not available right now for comment. Um, she's taking some time to focus on family, is what the um, the articles I've read said. So nothing. There's probably nothing's going to come out of that front um, because again, it is still a very tight-lipped kind of company the way they operate, um, despite being, you know. Um, a giant They're a private company, show right? producer. Yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah, so they probably can't release anything, or they don't have to. Well, yep. it seems like everybody, everybody's got an NDA. Which, okay, I guess you know, for <laughs> you're you're not allowed to tell anybody that the that wrestling's fake. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but these are very real allegations, and so I wonder how they're going to play out. And that's why he's my ass all the week. Wait, wrestling's fake? It's definitely no. real. No. It's definitely real. 100% real. <laughs> no way. Um, yeah, yeah. He definitely deserves it. Who wants to start with the pick? I'll take... I'll start. Um, now, the reason I bring this one up is because I'm probably going to forget between now and um, September about this book until like two years after the fact when I see it on shelves. Or uh, do you guys know who Andy Borowitz is? Yes, I've Borowitz heard of him. Yeah. yeah, so he's um, a great satirist, um, and he has a column in uh, the New Yorker. He has a page on their website. Um, and he has a new book coming out. Um, it will be out in stores the middle of September. Um, and it is called Andy Borowitz Profiles in Ignorance, How America's Politicians Got Dumb and Dumber. It's essentially, it yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fully pilled right off of that. Um, uh, he argues over the past 50 years, American politicians have grown increasingly allergic to knowledge and mass media has encouraged the election of ignoramuses by elevating candidates who are better at performing than thinking. Starting with Ronald Reagan's first campaign for governor of California in 1966 and culminating with the election of Donald J. Trump to the White House, Borowitz shows during the age of 24-hour news and social media, the U.S. has elected politicians to positions of great power who lack the most basic information is terrifying. In addition to Reagan, Quayle, Bush, Palin, Trump, Borowitz, Borowitz covers a host of congressperson, senators, and governors who have helped the, to lower the bar over the past five decades. Uh, Profiles and Ignorance aims to make us both laugh and cry, 
laugh at the uh, idiotic antics of these public figures and cry at the cataclysms though uh, these icons of ignorance have caused. But most importantly, the book delivers a call to action and a cause for optimism. History doesn't move in straight lines, and we can change the course if we act now. Uh, if he listens to our podcast, which he definitely does. He's definitely in. Yeah. <laughs> However, we're not so sure about that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a cool book. Um, yeah. When did you say it comes out? Okay, so September 13th. So uh, it's, it's a little under three months away. I'm into it. I'm looking nice. forward to it. I will definitely check that out. So I'm going to do a uh, podcast. It, it kind of fits the theme of our episode today, um, watching bad movies. Um, there's a... <laughs> no. Uh, it's called How Did This Get Made? It's uh, yeah. one I've been listening to forever. Um, it's uh, Paul Shear and his wife, June Dame, Diane Raphael, both Long Island natives. Shout out. Um, and Jason Manzukis, who to me is arguably one of the funniest human beings on earth. Dude, those they, guys are fucking, they're amazing. They're, they're such a good dynamic amongst them. And, uh, and Manzukis, I've, I've said it millions of times. He's just, he, he has an ability to say, like, he doesn't even have to say anything funny. His mannerisms and his voice are just so fucking out there. It's, it's, he's hilarious. Um, one of them, one of my favorite podcasts, they, I don't, and again, I have to give them credit because it was a slog getting through. He's all that. And to like, actually just finish that movie was real tough. They do it weekly and are able to get through some of the fucking worst movies um, I've ever seen. So, uh, and it's really funny. They do live shows sometimes. Uh, I'm actually hoping they come back to New York so I can catch one. Uh, definitely give it a listen. Cause it must be fucking torture to go through what they go through. So yeah um yeah. <laughs> i i was actually listening it to it the other day um when they were doing their their second go around of the movie moonfall yes and it's yeah. just jesus christ like, <laughs> yeah. i uh i remember um connor actually told me about it last year at riley's wedding by the way happy anniversary riley and lily yeah happy anniversary um but also time flies baby. there's this other movie that denise richards was in it was like in the early 90s and oh my god that movie sucked are you so talking about much. wild things no no it was yeah. like some reanimated sheets they needed to wake up or something like that it was such a strange oh. concept oh is it paul walker in it right yes it's the uh t-rex movie yes that's yes it. yeah 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 um <laughs> Uh, Tammy, Tammy and the T-Rex. Yes. Jesus. That shit was so weird. Yeah. They, that was a live show. I, they did like w w during the pandemic, they were doing like digital live shows. Um, really fucking funny. Yeah. It's, it's basically the premise of the movie is Paul Walker gets murdered by a lion because a bunch of like, he's like a, he's not a nerdy kid, but like, he's trying to like, go out with Denise Richards, who's like dating some psychopath. They throw him in a lion enclosure and he gets mauled to death. And <laughs> the scientist takes his brain and puts it in a fucking digital T-Rex. And yeah. Cause that's my immediate thought. Like, <laughs> Hey, uh, so, so you, that sounds he's, amazing, all, he, by the way. He, he's all that will essentially be like citizen Kane compared to that movie. A hundred percent. 
Uh, if, yeah, and if you're looking for a good episode, uh, Sleepaway Camp is always kind of my go-to with them if you're like a first-time listener because there, there's a confusion in the beginning of the movie that they try and sort out. And it's 15 minutes of them kind of like screaming at each other, trying to figure out like a, a very simple thing, but it's 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 really, really funny. So uh, definitely give it, a, give it a listen. Yeah, it's a, it's a great podcast. Um, so my pick of the week is... Um, Netflix has redeemed themselves um, away from He's All That with web, a web of make-believe, Death Lies in the Internet, and it's in its first season. Um, it talks about a number of issues that have happened in the last um, about 10 or 15 years or so. It covers things like um, people who are swatted in their homes by um, individuals doxers. that are... Yeah, doxers, um, it talks about the alt-right and the uh, uh, Europa folks or American Vanguard or whatever they call themselves these days. Sextortion through like texting. And then ultimately it talks about um, the murder of Seth Rich and really debunks a lot of the conspiracy theories that were effectively created by Fox News in a bogus report that they created based off of um, a private investigator, two private investigators, and a lawyer who has subsequently become a conspiracy theorist himself in Jack Berkman, who um, has also... Jack Berkman. Who's also fucked around with some other individuals who used to work at the Gateway Pundit, and a lot of them are um, basically been deplatformed. But let's not, let's not forget about Jacob Wool. That's the motherfucker that he hangs out with. Um, yeah. I forgot about him. But it's got a 38% audience score on um, Rotten Tomatoes right now. And all you, need to, yeah, all you need to do is go into the comments and see that it's the people who probably believe that Seth Rich was murdered by Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> um, they that did not like poor, this. That poor family, man. Yeah. And it, it gets like I had a like a semi-working knowledge of how the Seth Rich murder and the subsequent conspiracy theory that played off of that, how it happened. But the people that the rich family trusted to run a parallel investigation with the police, um, their lawyer and a number of other individuals basically took them on a ride, took money from them, exploited them. And they're the ones who basically fed a lot of the lies about his involvement with WikiLeaks um, and a number of other things. Ultimately, WikiLeaks basically was lying about his involvement with them. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's honestly, that's not even the best one. Um, the I thought the the one about the the individual who made like his whole life basically swatting elementary and middle schools, calling in bomb threats. Um, and, and swatting kids that are playing video games. I found that to be the most compelling because that person is a fucking straight up sociopath. Like, is that not think he did anything wrong? Who, who, what was the name of that, uh, that, that person? Uh, there is it a... now, right? Okay. It's not the person I'm thinking of then. Okay. Are, are they in jail now? Yeah. No, it's not the person I'm thinking of. Yeah, that. he's he's in jail for like 25 years or something like that. Because, uh, good. Because ultimately, um, 
he got paid by somebody to swat somebody else and he got the wrong house address and the police came and shot somebody who was not even involved in it, shot and killed him. Wow. Um, And they're talking to him. He's like, yeah, I don't really feel responsible for it because it wasn't necessarily my fault. It's like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like this person would not be alive if you didn't do this. And he tries to like cast blame on the police, which they deserve some, they deserve a lot of culpability in this, but also to like the person that asked him to do it, the person that gave him the wrong address, like it's, there are people that deserve to be in jail and this guy is one of them. Yeah. Sounds like a real piece of shit. Yeah. I I remember like turning to my wife when I was watching, I was like, by the way, this guy's a complete scumbag and he deserves whatever happens to him. Jesus. But yeah, probably happening in the shower right now as we speak. (laughs) Um, But give, but give it a listen or give it a watch. It's on Netflix. It's called Web of Make Believe. A lot of it talks about specifically how the internet is leveraged for bad things, and we're on the last two episodes right now. Um, And so far, it's been great. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah, I want to check that out. That's that's in my list. So once again, folks, thank you for tuning in to the Second Mouse Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in and giving us all of the likes and the follows on our Instagram. And you can follow us on all major social media platforms at Second Mouse Podcast. Again, this show wouldn't be possible with listeners like you. So share it with your friends um, and have them give us five stars and review. That's the best way that we can continue to create this good content and spread it out into the world. We're available on all the major streaming platforms. There is a little bit of, uh, you know, the Spotify people creeping up on the list. So the the Apple folks better, uh, they better step their game up. And we do this every week. So if you have any um, assholes of the week, or if you have a pick of the week you want us to talk about, or even if you there's a topic that you want us to discuss, please shoot us a DM in either Twitter or Instagram, and we can go ahead and, and chat that up. Or if you're somebody who finds himself to be interesting and you know, we vet you and you're actually an interesting person. We'd love to have you on the show. So once again, thanks y'all for coming out and taking a listen. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.